0: future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. Oh, there are
1: new dreams, crowding up old realities There's revolution, sweeping like a fresh new breeze Let the old world make the heat, it's blind and fast
0: Welcome back to the Future Quake Show. I am Doctor Future.
2: And I, of course, am Tom. Always there. Right hand man. Bionic. Bionic. You always cut me off. I was getting I was really getting to the point.
0: Well, we only have like you know, thirty minutes on a show. Oh, okay. Well Yeah. Well, we've got a new guest. We do. It's uh Doctor Melissa Riley. She's she's uh,
2: uh a three for now here on the uh, Future Quake. This is her third visit to yeah. the
0: Future Quake show, uh first time in our new format. Mm-hmm. And uh uh, her expertise uh, has been in the area of preparation for emergencies, natural disasters, and things in society. And always mm-hmm. she has the latest information and stuff we've never thought of in that area. She's had some other career changes and things like that, but mm-hmm. she's still uh, on top of a lot of these issues. And and our, our topic for uh, this week's interview is an update on preparing our families for impending catastrophes. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, she cannot... Uh, Prepare us for the economic catastrophe. Yeah, I was that's going to say. So, so, she's right
2: got a huge stockpile of gold
0: somewhere. No, perhaps, not or? not that. Uh-huh. But uh, we're going to talk about other physical kinds. Yeah, uh, we can talk a little bit more about that on Friday. What do you say?
2: I think that's a good idea. Yeah.
0: So we'll we'll talk a little bit more uh, in uh, tomorrow's tremors about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's happening so fast. By the time we air it, the it's the time almost it, obsolete. Yeah, it, we could be we could be in financial Armageddon. Right, but. What Dr. Riley has to share with us this week will not be obsolete. It's no, going to be very, very useful. it's very timeless advice. It's an update on several things that uh, threaten not only mm-hmm. Nashville area, but uh, beyond. So we're going to go to this interview, and we'll be back to discuss in just a minute. All right. So until then, here's Dr. Riley. I'm Dr. Future with the Future Quake Show. With and
2: I am Tom
0: Bionic. And we have an old friend of our show that's come back in to join us here on Future yeah. Quake. We have Dr. Melissa Riley. Uh, who has uh, been here for some uh, very popular show we've we've had in the past, and we're going to talk uh, today about an update on preparing our families for impending catastrophes. And uh, Dr. Raleigh, I just want to tell you it's great to have you back on the Future Quake Show.
3: Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate the invitation.
0: Well, it's it's just wonderful yeah. to have you back. Your appearances on our show, I believe it's been twice in the past, have been extremely popular and have gotten a whole lot of listener response and, and feedback hmm. that we've gotten and uh they were considered by many people to be the most important shows we've ever done and oh, really
3: destruction entertained everyone uh,
2: have you listened to our other shows <laughs> it's something that
0: uh they feel like will may save their fat from the fryer one day uh on the, the important information that you shared with us And we're looking forward to some updates on those subject areas and some new topics to mm-hmm. talk about uh, today, um, To to jump forward, and again, we have a whole lot of new listeners now with our, uh, our new format on uh, WENO and, and new listeners we have now. Um, could you uh, uh, b- very briefly share with our uh, new listeners a little bit about your credentials and background and your areas of specialty?
3: Okay. Um, I've been in the fire and EMS and rescue service for 16 years. Uh, three years of that was spent in emergency management being the planning officer for preparedness for one of the counties just east of Nashville. And then um, I'm also a commercial pilot, been a flight instructor for about the last seven years, wow. and then have a Ph.D. in educational leadership uh, with undergraduates in psychology and aerospace education.
2: Wow. So there's not a lot. You you cover a lot of ground there. A little
0: bit. She's just getting started. One day she'll make something yeah, out yeah, of herself. Yeah. I bet <laughs> yeah. you have a
2: lot of free time with all of those things. Yeah. yeah.
3: Oh, yeah, just laying
0: around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, I tell you what you've shared with us again in the past. It's just been um, absolutely amazing. It's created quite a stir uh, with our listeners. And, uh, the very first show you came on, you, uh, uh you focused on the Wolf Creek Dam crisis, uh, which yes. is a, a dam up near Lake Cumberland across the Kentucky state line, um, which, uh, is in a currently weakened state, or at least the time when we, uh, covered it was in a, a very perilous state. And the risk, if I understood it, if it in fact, uh, uh was compromised, uh, due to some kind of failure of it, Would have created catastrophic uh, flooding conditions downstream, all the way up through Nashville and beyond, even up toward Clarksville area. Uh, And believe me, that really got the attention of the people listening to our show. Uh, I seem to recollect some of the maps I saw that downtown Nashville could have been covered in various places up to 40 to 80 feet of water.
3: Correct. And I think they had the the original estimate was over 10,000 homes would be flooded out.
0: Over 10,000 homes. I know we were talking about a multi billion dollar impact to this area. That uh, if I remember one of the government quotes was it would make uh, make Katrina look like child 's play, correct, and uh, at the time uh, when we discussed this, there were plans uh ready to perform some kind of aggressive emergency repairs to the dam uh, Do you know since that time which and this has been a while uh, since we've talked about this, have those repairs been made, and what's yeah. the what's the shape of the Wolf Creek dam and also the Center Hill dam, and where do we stand? Uh-huh.
3: From what I understand, they've been doing repairs for the last two years. They started a, a large grouting project last year, where they um, basically drill down and then find all the little holes and crevices that have formed from the karst geology, which is totally prevalent through this area of Tennessee. Just all the mm-hmm. uh, caves and caverns throughout the rock, mm-hmm. and they've just been spending most of their time filling those in to the extent possible. And I think I believe their next step, and I think they just awarded that contract, a multi-million dollar contract, about few months ago where they're going to go in and build a wall about 275 foot deep all the way across the length of the dam. But they kind of ran to a, a fault point a few, a couple of months ago, I believe the area right where the earth and dam meets the man-made concrete part was starting to separate and do things they didn't ever expect it to do um, to the point they, could, they considered it dangerous enough that they stopped all of their repairs hmm. for the time being until they could put more instruments down there to have better reaction if something were to suddenly change for the detriment and then also to be able to analyze it and do some more research before they decide how to quite solve the problem that's occurring right now.
0: Wow.
2: Well, that's not encouraging. <laughs> no,
3: it isn't. <laughs> and they, they you know, of course, downplayed it and kept it very quiet, but I think that's the yeah. current state of, of the dam up there. They're just in the kind of the research and um, testing phase for what they're going to do with that particular part of the dam.
0: Are the Kentucky officials cooperating? I know they, they, they were very concerned about lowering the water, and just devastating the local economy there on Lake Cumberland. Uh, have, have they done their part?
3: Um, I, well, from what I can understand, of course, is all media re- releases is all I've been able to gather information from. And so as far as I can tell it, that it's gone pretty good. I think their, their use of the lake was up this year over last, so folks are adjusting to it and coming back to the water.
0: Wow, okay. Because mm-hmm. I, I know that was part of the quandary was uh, we were talking about uh, you know potentially uh, tens of millions or more uh, impact to the, uh, tourism, uh, dollars in Kentucky, where we're talking about even another order of magnitude cost to, uh, Tennessee if it wasn't repaired, and that was a, a major dilemma. So I didn't know if they had come to a general understanding, uh, you know, that was a, a balance of both parties. When last we talked, I understand, uh, uh, you and some other, uh, folks at the Corps of Engineers we're even doing some independent evaluations of the ground downstream, uh, checking to see what kind of water seepage mm-hmm. there was. That It was actually it was getting sort of swampish uh, downstream of uh, this dam. Has anybody else been looking at that and seeing if there's been any changes?
3: Um, the Corps, I'm not sure what, what information they've been gathering from there. Um, back when I was with the emergency management in Wilson County, we made several trips up to that area and did some aerial reconnaissance and just was able to see a lot of areas that had more sinkholes and just more kind of, the whole area up there was changing especially right down from the dam. So hmm. You could tell where the water was coming through from the karst formations and really having a detrimental impact up there.
0: Hmm. Okay. Okay. So so there is still some evidence that there may be some compromise with the land downstream?
3: Correct, and I think that's the point whole point of their repairs is to try and stop that from getting any worse.
0: Okay. What about what about the Center Hill Dam? Is that now the greater threat? And and if so, where are we at in status on that?
3: I think they're both about the and they're supposed to begin repairs on it sometime this year. They haven't yet started. They've been awarding the contracts and getting permission for it.
4: Okay. okay. Uh, I know
3: they have dropped the lake level tremendously. I was up there just about just a week ago Monday and there were some areas you could walk out way steep halfway across. That's usually a very deep lake in most all aspects. So you can see a big difference up there, and a lot of the boat docks have been closed because of that, and some of the other ones extended just so folks can use the recreational area uh, to the extent possible at the lower lake levels.
0: Wow. So there's been either economic or something akin to that impact in that area by having to lower the water as well.
3: I don't think it's been as dramatic as it has been up at Lake Cumberland, but Uh it definitely has had an impact.
0: Well, any advice you have for our listeners? Uh, Of course, they were very alarmed by the state we were in before. Um, do they still need to be taking any kind of particular precautions? or, or I, I'm not even sure if, if your residence is in that area or, or what, what preparations you're doing. What's prudent at this stage uh, because of this situation?
3: Again, just the same as it was before, the same diligence, just watching, seeing any kind of news releases, kind of being aware of that, and also pressing your local officials, asking them what the status is, what are their preparations and plans so that um, they're made to stay aware of that and on top of the situation because there's – so many things going on right now just making sure that the people who are in charge of your safety are aware of what's going on and being able to follow up on the critical stories
0: okay mm. so bottom line is we're not totally out of the woods yet
3: not until both of those dams have completed all their repairs when i say it's crystal
0: clear okay okay but again
3: that'd be a really good question to go with the corps of engineers and get their take on it
0: okay and so you uh, you would recommend that to our listeners to find out that data for themselves Hmm.
3: Yeah, just go out there and find out which, if, your, if your local county is going to be impacted and what, to the extent, their emergency plans are, and and have the updated them in the last year. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of the plans uh, re-rolled out Wilson counties within a matter of months of, of learning about the situation at um, up at Lake Cumberland with Wolf Creek, and then was able to to tailor the plans a little bit more. Center Hill will have the same amount of flooding for the Nashville, Wilson, Sumner County areas, and Smith County. The only problem with Center Hill is it's going to arrive much faster, so you'll get the initial mm-hmm. surge and the water will go back down faster, but you'll have much less time to react to it. Are
0: mm-hmm. we talking like a couple of hours or something like that?
3: Correct. I okay. think it was two, an estimated two to six hours before it would arrive in Wilson County. Which, okay. If it happens in the middle of the night, there isn't a lot of time to wake the population up that's going to be impacted and right. get them out of the way.
0: Right. So it might be just a good idea to go on and tie some pontoons to your house and cars right now, just in the meantime.
3: <laughs> yeah. Just sleep on an inflatable
2: raft. Yeah, yeah it's like
0: that go. movie Waterworld. Be that's what Nashville will look like eventually. Well, I'm eventually. Have to start
2: looking for gills behind your ears if it happens.
0: Yeah, I'm just I I wear those little uh, uh what do you call the ones you put around your arms? Floaties. Floaties, yeah, that's yeah. what I usually go with around here. You know, just a piece of trivia for you. Uh, uh, Dr. Riley, there was a very famous NASCAR driver uh, back in the 50s and early 60s, uh, Tiger Tom Pistone. And when he raced at Daytona Motor Speedway, there was a lake out in the center uh, called Lake Lloyd that was uh, dug out so they could make the banking. And he was so mortified of water that he actually raced with a life preserver on when he was racing the Daytona 500. Wow. Just in case his, he went sliding just in the infield and went in, in that case, lake. Huh? Well, actually, a, a car the year before actually went in the water, just nose first in it. But really? How deep yeah. was it? So, I don't know. I don't know. But mm-hmm. uh, just, just a piece of trivia. You know, yes. that's what our listeners listen for is yeah. trivial information. Trivia. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the other issue that you came back, and not to uh, be outdone uh, uh, from your earlier visits, you, you talked about this uh, very gentle threat of avian bird flu. Yeah, that, that, that just might orange. might have a little bit of impact on our life, mm-hmm. uh something like being marooned in your house for months at a time uh i seem I seem to recollect uh has there been any further updates on the potential hazard that you've heard uh regarding avian bird flu and any preparations that are being made to to manage um, the impact? I think yeah it must it flew be, by the window <laughs> yeah, it must be a sudden impact,
4: yeah.
3: Uh, but I think with the avian flu, it's the, the threat is the same as before, whereas we're still overdue for a worldwide pandemic. Um, and that's the kind of thing that's keeping everybody edgy is because it, we are overdue, so it should be coming anytime soon, unfortunately.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Hmm. I, I believe this year they've only had 36 reported cases of human, um, age 5 n 1, and of those, 28 have been fatal for a 78% fatality rate. So not as many cases, but if, imagine a global disease with that kind of mortality. That would just be un-
0: unbelievable. Well, and also, too, if it really gets widespread, you're going to be limited on medical sources. I mean, these people probably get the best treatment. But uh, when you've got an overwhelming number of critical mass of people, you're not going to have enough uh, ventilators and things like that for people at no. that time.
3: Oh, not at all. I mean, just imagine, I mean, look how quickly we ran out of gasoline here, especially in the national area, just in the last couple yeah. of weeks.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. And
3: imagine even more people trying to go to the one hospital instead of multiple gas stations, you know, what the impact's going to have.
0: If that's not a wake-up call, I don't know what is, What you just mentioned the example with the, with the gas and how quickly we're crippled, even though surrounding cities seem to be just fine. Uh, it, it's an immediate problem. What what I seem to recollect uh, you speaking about before was that, um, even if one was willing to risk going outside their home and risk exposure, um, pretty soon there would be very little food that they could go get if they didn't have things stocked up because uh, transportation of food into the communities that have been infected would likely come to a stop and the food would quickly disappear. Is that that correct?
3: Mm -hmm, Because our whole economy is based on the just-in-time delivery system, and Mm -hmm. we've seen that very clearly with the hurricanes. Um, Anyone that's been down in that area trying to respond evacuate, and even just critical resources appear, such as gasoline. The, the flow of goods was interrupted, on, and that was just on a f- couple of days or a couple of week basis. Now imagine the pan flu, which will come in six- to eight-week waves, and you've got six- to eight weeks where there's nothing coming into your community because the truckers aren't going to bring it in and risk getting infected.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. So art- you don't want
3: to order stuff from another state that has the infection and mm-hmm. risk it coming in on the goods because the virus can live mm-hmm. you know, up to 24 hours on things. So you get something overnight mm-hmm. from China, and you've got the virus right there in your house.
0: So nothing moves. In other words, you
3: just yeah, it'd be almost a complete paralysis of everything.
0: Mm. Well, this is an uplifting show. Yeah, even <laughs> even more than normal for yeah. Futurequake. quake uh, yeah. But uh, you know that that was something that uh, w- when our listeners sort of digested all we shared about with on the avian bird flu and and, and this fact about uh, storing up food and supplies for possibly two to three months even uh, that our government has also said is prudent to do. That's that's no joking matter, is it?
3: Not at all, and it's it's hard to say. Oh gosh, so am I going to stock up? Am I feeling paranoid? But just look around. I mean, look at the folks that've been devastated by the hurricanes, mm-hmm. the horrible tornado that we had come through our area back in February. Mm-hmm. There's just you know very simple ways nature can just overwhelm what we're used to.
0: Right. So in other words, you're saying there's a whole bunch of different reasons why it makes it worthwhile uh, to have that available. Some more right. extreme and some others, but it's still, it, it could come in handy a bunch of different ways.
4: Because
3: mm-hmm. if it is the one time it's needed, and you, you, it's not the time to go to the grocery store with, you know, the other ten thousand people in your community mm-hmm. at uh-huh. the same time.
0: Right, right. Um, that's. Uh, is there anything else that we need to be aware of? Any developments in the avian bird flu area that, since we've last talked, that we should add? No, major ones,
3: just again, the flu season's coming up. I encourage everyone to get the flu shot. It's a dead virus. There's no way you'll catch the flu from getting it. Um, But if you have that, if there is not break, it's an easier way to tell which one you have, and also it reduces your chances of catching the regular one, which... Over 36,000 people a year die from that alone,
4: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I
3: think is also an overlooked fact on how easily it's spread, especially the, the people who are more infirmed, you're elderly and you're young, are going to catch it and become much sicker because of it.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, and I guess, too, uh, keeping up your general health is a good idea and strengthening your immunity in general.
3: Lots of hand washing and just being aware of your surroundings. You know, if you go to the grocery Touching all the carts, don't try to touch your face while you're in the shopping center, just because you're whatever anybody else had before, you're going to pick up and transmit right, right into your body. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Which, which, again, benefits uh, with the outbreak of MRSA and these other mm-hmm. t- type staff uh, staph infections, things going mm-hmm. out. It's, we, we live in an area that basically requires a sanitized environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I noticed somebody at our church uh, at the other uh, day had, had placed in our office uh, some of this hand sanitizer, just simply because, you know, being a greeter at church. You, you interact with so many people and it be so easy to spread something. Not right. only get sick, but yeah. in all these environments. And, and, and now that these things are getting so drug-resistant that if it takes hold in your body, it's much more difficult to be able to eradicate than it was in times past. So
2: what you're saying, Dr. Future, as a greeter at church, you're actually a vector. I'm
0: sort of like Typhoid Mary. Yeah. Typhoid future. Say, yeah. You yeah.
2: are the polio blanket uh, in the uh I just, in the Indian encampment. It's like that song, <laughs> "I am a
0: rock, I am an island." You know, that's why yeah. we need to live. Yeah. have our books and our poetry to protect us and sealed yeah. in our armor. Each of
3: us hasn't been sitting in church and you hear the person behind you just racking? You're like, oh my god.
0: Yeah. yeah. Raise yeah. Your
3: hand in 20 minutes. This is oh.
0: And you yeah. can just feel that cloud of germs just permeating throughout the sanctuary. Well, on to the next topic. All right,
2: now that we're uh, all up and happy. and up. Yeah, now that's the good news so far.
0: Now we get into the scary stuff. Um, As far as you can share with us, and this may be something that you're really not at liberty much to discuss or or with some of your newer duties may not be as plugged into, but uh, knowing you, I'm sure you're staying somewhat abreast of some of these things. Um, Have there been any plans or preparations you're aware of in the community for... WMD attacks, and we hear things about this, the terrorism threat's still really high. I know you're not as plugged into some of those plans, but but even as just a regular citizen, have you been aware of much of that, or any any kind of new developments there that we can be aware of as citizens?
3: Uh, I think that pretty much the same plans have been in place. Um, I think the further we get from 9-11, the less interested the public is, and the less interested the Congress and so forth are made to mandate that type of funding to prepare for it. I don't think... Mm -hmm. I think you'd be hard pressed to find any community that is actually fully prepared for a WMD attack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, New York City them have tremendous resources to respond to it, but as far as the planning and preparation, you know, that that type of thing in a country like this could happen mm. any place.
4: Mm-hmm. So the, mm-hmm. the only
3: good thing going for us right now is it's much harder to get those type of materials together to make the type of dirty bomb. So when they have it, they're much more likely to use it in a high-profile area like your Los Angeles or your New York. Right. So we are safe mm-hmm. in that aspect in Tennessee, but. Then again, there's no telling if they screw it up wherever they're hiding it at, it could go off anywhere. That's a good point. But just having that awareness.
0: That's that's a good point. Yeah, I've always hoped that uh, one of our best protections was that there probably weren't many Porter Wagner fans uh, <laughs> in in the Madrasas, you know, where they would even know where we were in in Nashville yeah. itself.
2: Well, if they were actual fans, wouldn't that just make them want to, you know, do away with Los Angeles because there's not a lot of country music out there?
0: I don't know. But, you know, they, they've talked about hitting our major tourist areas like uh, Super Bowl and Disneyland. And mm-hmm. I assume Rock City is probably pretty high on that list, too. Uh, I don't know. if yeah. so in, in the Middle yeah. <laughs> East, if they very, talk about the, the decadent capitalist Dollywood. Uh, but seriously, every city of any major size, the potential exists for something like this, mm-hmm. uh, particularly even just a, a, a dirty bomb or a chemical or biological kind of things like this. Um, sometimes it can be uh, people from overseas. Sometimes it can be homegrown uh, mm-hmm. people. Um, is there a place that you recommend where we can sort of stay abreast of warnings, any other kind of issues or things like that that we need, even if it's not something imminent, but uh, n- new threats that they're keeping an eye out for that we need to take action for in our own homes? Are, are there some websites or places we need to keep an eye? Uh, There's a
3: lot of things if you just Google, you know, preparations, uh, WMDs, blogs, there's lots of different homemade ones that people keep more information abreast on. Mm. Uh, There's a site called emergencyemail.org, and that's pretty good about developing news with hurricanes or other larger incidences, and it also allows you to program your email or cell phone um, to receive information in real time, whether it's a thunderstorm warning, tornado warning, wow. an no. alert, or type of hurricane or, or larger scale event. Hmm.
0: So a cell phone would be great if you're away at work or somewhere where you're not around the news, and at least you, you can get the breaking heads up.
3: text message, uh-huh. wow. And that's great, too, when, when there's weather warnings here. So sleep at night, you hear your text message go off and severe thunderstorm warning for your county.
4: Hmm, hmm. So it's
3: all a free service, just whatever you have to pay for your own text message.
4: Okay. Oh, that's all cool.
0: Right. Yeah, well, that's that's great to know. Uh, any, anything else that we need to, any other websites or special sites we need to keep an eye on, Department of Homeland Security? Um, those, like
3: the, apparently those seem so, so slow to react to any news really? information that it's more often just doing a, a Google search and just looking around and finding your own site that's reputable and that has good information on it.
0: Hmm. So they wouldn't necessarily be as fast to say the response to Katrina. It wouldn't be quite that standard of uh, rapid response. Um, One area that uh, we have not been able to speak at at some length to you about is the uh, rapidly deteriorating uh, civil engineering infrastructure in our country. Uh, Bridges, overpasses, dams, this kind of thing like this in general across our country. We've talked a little bit about the situation with with dams and and how uh, what we're facing here locally is only indicative of of an issue that goes across our entire country right now. Uh, and then, since I believe since you've been on our show, we had the incident with the major metropolitan bridge collapse up in uh, Minnesota, in Minneapolis-St. Paul, that was a, a major disaster, and at least was a wake-up call for a little while for people uh, before they quickly forget about it and move move on with their business. Um, what's your opinion about where we stand uh, as, as far as this concern nationally, uh, our whole infrastructure, uh, in these structures, and the age of them, and uh, are, are we looking at sort of a countrywide uh, catastrophe? Uh, that can yes, come upon us.
3: I believe it's going to be a nationwide problem that we'll be dealing with for the next 25 to 50 years. Cause the, we had this huge, tremendous boom of economy and building and just pride in country that we had right after World War II. Mm-hmm. And all that fan- was fantastic, but it, since that time, everything was kind of built like, oh, this will always be here. Well, now we're, we're coming up into the generations where what was always there is now crumbling, and it's time for us to start repairing that. And, gosh, how are we going to afford it? You know, How long is it going to take? And you've got communities that can't even afford to... Hardly open their doors in the schools this year, or keep their sports teams running because of the money crunch. The last thing they're going to be repairing are bridges and, you know, larger scale, high-profile items unless it's made forefront in the public mind.
0: You know, it would sure make a lot of sense instead of just handing out a trillion here, a trillion there to Wall Street bankers, that that money would actually go to somebody who would actually construct something with that money.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you I think?
0: pay for jobs so we don't have you know, high unemployment and things like that.
2: I don't know. I don't know. I think there's a certain logic to uh, giving the money to the people that um, got us here in the in the problem in the first place.
0: Oh, is that right? Let no, not have really. another actually. Kick at I'm cab. being facetious. But, you know, it's I, a complete joke. You just gave me an idea, Dr. Riley. If we, if we withheld the money from those bankers and let them go under, um, we could loan the money to other people independently for something real to do. And awesome. uh, as long as they're getting their money from some other source, they don't need the banks to uh, loan to them. Uh, because at least it would actually, instead of throwing good money after bad, we could actually be addressing a real problem here and a uh, re- real concern we have. I know I know it was the last depression we had that created the New Deal and the CCC and, and all of this massive construction across our country. Uh, heaven forbid it's going to take another depression uh, for the government to do the same kind of thing again. Well, of if course, it gets
2: rid of the Federal Reserve. I'm for it.
0: Well, we didn't have we didn't have honest. deficits at that time, so they they started making deficits at that point. Yeah. Now we have so much deficit. I don't know how they could service the debt and do another big works program like this. But that's true. You have any solutions, Doctor Riley?
3: Wish I did. <laughs> we
0: debate this all the time, but yeah. uh, I got a piggy bank. The, help. The, the, the problem, though, is that it's it's you know it's a uh, what a stitching time saves nine right now we sorry boy <laughs> was that you dr riley or the dog well, we that hate to get you getting...
2: yeah we hate to get you fired up I we mean. hear that from a lot of our <laughs> guests
0: we sort of hit a so nerve. Yeah. We hit a nerve sometimes. Um, the, the the problem is is that if you spend a dollar today to repair, you can save the nine dollars from the catastrophic impact that occurs. If we don't have the dollar right now, if we think we have economic problems right now in our country, when these things start co- collapsing in mass across the country, we won't even know what economic crisis is. Mm-mm. I I can't imagine uh, uh, when we start having major major cities have major corridors, wow. down for yeah. things like this.
2: End up standing around with long hair and long the beards. Work like, starts. I mean, it, it, yeah, it was devastating to
0: Minneapolis-St. Paul yeah. just to have one bridge uh, that, that went down in this area uh, itself. Uh, not that we're done with our list of concerns that we'd like to talk to you about, uh, but one, one uh, that I understand we're long overdue for in this area is a major seismic event, uh, yeah. particularly from the New Madrid Fault. Uh, supposedly it's overdue, uh, and people think it will really be a, a, a big one uh, when we do have it here based on its prior uh, behavior. It, what have you seen regarding any forecast of damage potentially for Nashville and surrounding Nashville. communities if such an event to occur, and how are we preparing for that?
3: Nashville I don't think is going to be impacted quite as severely, but basically everything west of Jackson is going to be in big trouble. Um, They're projecting the death toll in the hundreds of thousands, if not in the million in Memphis. Um, Basically, that whole thing's just going to collapse that entire area.
0: Okay. When you think of
3: that population that's that's condensed and concentrated in that area and the bridges that span the rivers, they'll almost be cut off from everybody. Uh, I know a large-scale plan was enacted by the Tennessee Emergency Management Agency within the past year where they actually simulated if New Madrid fails, what are we going to do? And they were able to bring in... um, different Army Corps of Engineers and different uh, military personnel to show how to build those temporary bridges just to have enough of a way to get one bridge to get some kind of resources over in there. Uh, It would take massive use of helicopters to shuttle search and rescue personnel from one side to the other. And in the state of Tennessee, our main USAR, or urban search and rescue team, is Memphis. They are Tennessee Task Force 1, so they would almost be decimated immediately, and it would take the um, other teams from... Every local county, as well as our other task force, excuse me, mm-hmm. <laughs> from Chattanooga, Knoxville, Nashville, the other cities to respond in, as well as from other states. It wow. would be unprecedented um, destruction mm. and, and death and, and rebuilding in that entire area, plus all the other areas affected besides just Memphis. Your rural counties would be mm-hmm. wiped off the map and would be the last ones to even get resources. They'd be your little mm. wavelength, Mississippi was when Katrina hit New mm-hmm. Orleans. Just, they're decimated as well, but they're all but forgotten in the wow. response efforts.
0: Now, St. Louis and Memphis, those would be the two major ones that have major damage? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what 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 would living conditions, I mean, we have listeners all around those different areas. What what kind of living conditions would they expect to live in if they had a, you know, I mean, they have even talked about a 9.0, you know, in areas like Holy that. Holy cow. Yeah. I well, mean, that's based on precedent.
3: If it was something that high, I mean, very few structures would even be inhabitable anymore. And the the time and money it would take to even rebuild in that area would be tremendous. I mean, you're looking at even just coastal communities that are used to hurricanes, even Hurricane Andrew from years ago. There's still areas down there that have yet to rebuild. Mm -hmm. And then you look at this on a large scale on on the back of several decimating hurricane seasons and the toll it would take on our country as far as compassion fatigue, cost of rebuilding and repair, plus just the life-saving efforts would just totally exhaust everybody.
0: So if uh, someone in St. Louis starts to feel the tremors, it's best to step off of the arch, probably.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or have quite a ride.
0: Yeah,
2: gosh. Well, you know, I grew up in the. As I, f- I think I've told our listeners, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I remember going through the uh, the earthquake there in '89 that you know
0: collapsed mm-hmm. the uh, the Nimitz Freeway there and. Uh, part you of thought the bay- you were away from all of that coming over here. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you haven't felt anything like the big one from New Madrid. It rang the bells, I believe, in uh, Philadelphia, didn't it? The last time it went off. Golly. That's, that's really? M- that's my understanding. Wow. It actually made the Mississippi River uh, go upstream.
4: Oh, you that's unreal.
3: Just imagine the forces involved to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. It, it just defies the imagination right now. So, so you think we're uh, sitting pretty here in Nashville, huh?
3: It would be good as far as impact from there, but again, you've got to look at everything else that's so going to be cut off, all the resources spent to that area.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Um,
3: telecommunications, you supply lines that come across through that area. A whole lot of things are going to be problems. Um your gas pipelines that come up through that direction, both natural gas, propane, petroleum, all kinds of stuff that comes up through there are going to be absolutely disrupted if not decimated hmm. as well. Oh.
0: So so uh l- like we don't have enough problem with fuel right now. We could mm-hmm. we could have even further problem with uh Sources of fuel and things like that that might come this direction? It
3: depends which sources are run through the Memphis area.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I understand our trunk line right now for gasoline, I believe, comes off of Atlanta right now. Uh, but, you know, I was hoping... All, you all
3: our barges that come up through the rivers would come up from the New Orleans through the Memphis area.
0: That's a good point. That's a good point. And uh, a lot of that stuff just might be dammed up solid uh, with damage. your I-40
3: corridor from Memphis West would be all, all completely cut off.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow.
3: And so your infrastructure as far as interstate trucking would be
2: completely rerouted.
0: Uh, well, well gra- it... Graceland would be all shook up. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> What were yeah. you going to say, Tom?
2: I was going to say that even, well, at, at a 9.0, even quite a ways away, I'm sure we'd feel some of the uh, seismic efe- uh, seismic effects, wouldn't we?
3: Probably, yes, to some
2: degree.
0: Yeah. We would probably see all the elephants running away in the other direction. And then I've you're going to think
3: that... what dams in that area are going to fail due to that much seismic yeah. activity.
0: Oh, now that's another fine kettle yeah. of fish, well, right we there. Well, we were
2: just talking about the Wolf Creek Dam. I mean, that would have some sort of an, uh, you know, an effect. Yes. I'm sure.
0: Could that be a tipping point?
3: From what they say, it shouldn't affect that area, but again, that's just it's just best Mm-hmm.
0: You know, what I wonder, even if it didn't put an immediate structural, direct structural impact on the the wall of the dam, just the sloshing of the water. If you if you have any kind of Bulk movement of water—I don't even know if it even behaves in that manner—but that can really change the loading dramatically. That's true. If you if you get anything like that occurring. Um, well, I'm, I'm glad to breathe a sigh of relief here. I, I'm glad you didn't tell us to evacuate because, you know, since we have no gas in this area, we'd we be very inhibited oh, and we yeah, got to get away. Your and job
2: must be like reading the book of Revelation every day. <laughs> so like no, she does, that for, she
0: does that for relief, yeah. uh, going to bed so she yeah. can feel better, yeah. you know, about things. But, no, um, we're so thankful to have you, Dr. Raleigh, in our community here because I just know of all your work that you've done in the past to try to get people to understand and grasp these realities, and to try to prepare for them. And you spent so much of your time meeting with um, small groups in various communities, trying to tell the citizens what the nature of their threat was, particularly to the, these issues with the dams and things, uh, trying to come up with evacuation plans for people from schools and the elderly, and there's just so many dimensions to it. Um, I, I could see how you could easily be overwhelmed, but it must be a fascinating area to work in.
3: Oh, it is. And there's you know, at the end of the day, it's like, gosh, look what I've contributed to help if this doesn't ever happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, if some of these events we just talked about were to occur, um, what would be some of the long-term impacts? I mean, one thing, the first thing is, of course, trying to minimize loss of life, uh, in injury, and to some extent, property uh, impact. If a community has something major like this occurs, like like the kind of flooding we were talking about uh, that, that could occur in Nashville or or a M- Memphis, in an event like this, what, what's the the lasting legacy or tale of uh, Of damage to a city,
3: I think just just losing its heart and soul for quite a while. I mean, New Orleans is just now beginning to come back and get back its cultural heritage and bring back the people that helped make it such a part of who it was.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: We worked a few weeks ago um, with the transit system in Nashville, helping to transport evacuees from the airport out to their various shelters throughout the Nashville, Middle Tennessee area, and it was just. It was just very humbling experience to listen to them and, and what their stories were from Katrina and what made them decide to evacuate this time and just what they had gone through and some of them had literally finished rebuilding their house two weeks before they had to evacuate for this storm and didn't know if it was going to be there when they came home. So they're living a life that us in this area, except for the tornadoes that come through here, we really never have to face such life-altering events. If I go to work today, is my house going to be there tomorrow?
4: Wow. And mm. that's what these
3: people are doing, and they were like shoot, yes, I'm going back. This is where I'm from. This is a part of who I am.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And you know, there's an inherent pride in there that you just look at those people and you're like, that's pretty amazing, and that's what makes our country what it is. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, I would think, uh, like, for example, I can remember you telling us that uh, if we had the, the floods of the magnitude we had discussed was possible with these dam failures, that that we could possibly be without city water for, what, six to nine months possibly?
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not longer, depending on which areas were impacted. I know... At the time we were doing all the research, it was a three- to six-month wait for a water pump on a regular day. And then imagine if every community is asking for a water pump to get their water system back on board. Um, it may take quite a amount of time before that's brought in and See, able to function. I,
0: I would think that, that a lot of your businesses would find a necessity to relocate, not being able to uh, you know, run in survival mode for that long, and that would be a, a lasting legacy on, on a community is just simply losing the jobs. Uh, mm-hmm. where, th- where they've got they've got to go in survival mode to be able to function, and, and people mm-hmm. are going to have to move away, and it might take a generation or so for a community to respond. And, and also
3: the data that would be lost. I mean, you look at your your courts or even just your major businesses that have everything stored in certain warehouses around their place of business. If they've got to evacuate quickly, if it's the Center Hill couple hour effect, all that stuff's going to be lost forever. Mm-hmm. All the records, everything that they've ever had with that
0: company. Mm-hmm. And they're not they're not taking action right now to store these things or back them up in remote places and things where they could retrieve that?
3: I think for most businesses, A, that's not on their radar screen, and then B, the cost of doing so versus just trying to stay ahead in everyday business, especially right now, it's, just, right. It, it's not a risk-benefit to them at this time.
0: Well, you know, I don't see an excuse for a city office, though. If you're, if you're talking about the courts and things like that, why they would not have a, you know just an electronic uh, means to back up in some remote location, uh, this kind of stuff, if they don't, and
3: they should have the servers and the capability to be doing that, but
0: yeah, yeah. Well, really I mean, depends
3: on, I guess, the how up to date they are, what their IT people are like, and how aggressive they are at doing stuff
0: like that. I totally wouldn't be shocked. I mean, there's things we we found out there in uh, uh, during Katrina, in New Orleans, there were all sorts of uh, events that occurred that they hadn't planned for, in nursing homes or things like that. Mm-hmm. How do you mm-hmm. you know how do you move? Uh, you know, our doctor still swears to Mrs. Future now that. Uh, there was actually eight alligators that got into a nursing home and ate some of the residents there before they were. Your got doctor them. swears about yes. swears that. Mm-hmm. Happened. Yeah.
2: And the and the alligator ate.
0: Several of the residents in the nursing home. Yeah, yeah. Do you, he, do, you, do you hear a lot he of those reports, Doctor Riley? Have you gotten a lot of those?
3: There's probably there's no untold stories that occurred down there between all the Louisiana coastal areas and New Orleans yeah. and so many you just think of all the animals that are displaced just when something mm. like that comes through. Every we're, snake that's in a hole is, is now floating down the street. There are lots of reports, accurate reports of people being killed who were trying to hold on to trees and debris and when these nests of snakes and stuff washed by they just most a lot of people died from snake
4: bites.
0: You were kidding. Wow. I never I never heard about wow. those stories. That's scary. You know, I remember when they had helicopters that went over and they showed alligators that were in communities, like in the streets and stuff where they could wow. see their head pop up. Mm-hmm. Where that where that water had flooded uh, like that, probably mostly just be water moccasins and stuff like that that would probably get us in this area, uh, mm-hmm. of of the country, which gives me a lot of relief. Unless you live next to a local zoo, uh, that floods, then there might be anything yeah. that comes and gets you. But
2: well, as long as they don't, I don't get attacked by those nutrias they have down there.
0: <laughs> the the what? The nutrias. They're
2: like these. They're basically really big rats. They're rats like the size mm-hmm. of okay. a, a
0: pyro. Really? A puppy dog. Yeah really nutrias yeah that sounds Proteic. like a, a like a bar yeah. i should eat you know for like weight a nutria? loss yeah yeah
2: i just went running i'm gonna have a nutria uh-huh mm-hmm. that's right exactly Less calories more taste
0: well <clears throat> back on to serious topics here um you you mentioned about animals and uh, of course there's the the negative impact of the hazardous ham- animals that could pose immediate threat to us but what about the ones that we love we mentioned pyro here who's our our regular guest in the studio um no one is closer to uh, to their pets than Americans, and mm-hmm. they're treated like family. Um, that is something that has created some real tragedies. I can remember when people were loading up at the Superdome uh, a story of a family that were, they were being forced on a bus, and, and a little boy had a little, little cute little fluffy dog snowball mm-hmm. and I remember them not letting him take that dog. It was a family pet and them yanking it away from his hands, and they never saw the dog again. You know, they just moved it on some, somewhere else. That kind of story, I don't know how many times that was played over, but but people don't even stop to think about these parts of their family. What's the reality on this? What what likely will happen in you know in an event of that magnitude, and what can we do about it to best take care of our uh, beloved animals?
3: One of the few bright spots that came after Hurricane Katrina was that Congress enacted the Pets Act, which basically mandates that during any type of emergency or disaster if someone is evacuating with a pet they have to be allowed to bring that pet with them because during Katrina especially with the Coast Guard helicopter rescues and all sorts of other evacuations and evacuees they said you can't bring your animal there's no room for it you know it's it's two people um, or Mm -hmm. it's a person and two dogs we have to take the people well untold number of people refused to evacuate or chose to stay and die with their animals instead of abandon them and at the same time they were an untold number of animals that were just left and abandoned because of that that just had absolutely horrendous deaths you can pick up videos from National Geographic from the Humane Society that aren't just trying to glorify anything it's just a documentary of
4: mm-hmm. documentary
3: of animals and you see this one room where these police had told all the people in this area leave your animals we'll have them evacuated after you and after they left for whatever reason those people just decided to take their guns out and just absolutely decimated there's Animals that were just shot to death, hunted throughout the house. You can see where some were running and multiple shots were fired. The dogs were just left there with the corpses and all the stuff. They were animals hanging from power lines because when the owners left, they left them tied up. So when the waters rose, the animals still tied by its neck with either a chain or a rope that it can't get free of. And Mm -hmm. you just found animal carcasses hanging in all kinds of trees and houses and power lines after these Mm -hmm. waters receded. Even during the tornadoes that we responded to in February up in uh, the counties that were affected, we found animals dead with, you know, still tied chains to dog houses. I mean, just things people don't think about. If you're in a disaster, at least free your animals so they have some type of chance if you're going to leave them behind.
0: That's exactly right. That's, you know, and what really gets me are those kind of things that are preventable uh, mm-hmm. like that. I don't know. I, you know, where, where uh, events like that occurred with law enforcement people, I know it's an extremely uh, stressful time in what they are doing, but I don't see any excuse for some of those things that they did. No, they just don't get crossed
3: and that was absolutely one of them.
0: Were they held accountable uh, in events like that? Have you heard cases where they have been held accountable for abuse of animals?
3: I don't know. I think there was so much going on that that's the lowest on the totem pole as far as other crimes that were occurring with the rapes and the murders
4: and everything else going on Mm -hmm. at
0: that time. Well, you know, it's one thing if you're bringing your pet and somebody who's just a volunteer says, look, you can't bring your pet in this building, and you say, wait a minute, Congress passed the Pets Act and I'm allowed to do it, and they say, yeah, right, whatever. Tell you what, I've got the gun. Do they? If if that
3: happens, they actually can be blocked from receiving federal reimbursement for the disaster in that area.
4: Okay. Uh, an
3: illustration of how far we've come in just a short amount of time. During the evacuation from, I think it was Gustav, that they brought the New Orleans folks up this way. And what happened was we had we were setting up a shelter in Wilson County, and our disaster animal response team was asked to come and be on standby in case any animals arrived. They weren't supposed to have animals with them. Those went to different shelters closer to Louisiana so they could stay closer with their owners. But we had one lady just appear with a chicken, and they said, oh, my God, we'll with this chicken. And they had designated... Middle Tennessee State University, where all the animals would be kept, whether they were horses, cows, dogs, cats. And so we got some volunteers in the middle of the night to go pick up this chicken. and had papers and everything, a very special chicken. They drive it all the way down to Murfreesboro. As they get into Murfreesboro, they get a phone call that the owners now said that it's a voodoo chicken. So now because Ah. it's an animal for religious purposes, the voodoo chicken can come back and and stay with her, because it's now considered a companion animal instead of poultry. So this little voodoo chicken, I think, got... spend about three hours in the car just hmm. being transported back and forth. And never before would you have someone have gone into that much trouble, especially for a type of animal such as a chicken. Right, It doesn't right. have the value as yeah. our dogs and cats that stay in homes with us, but this is a very special animal to that person, and right. this was treated with the utmost respect and care. You right. know Lots of resources were spent just for this one chicken and that family.
0: So, so what I take from that. Is that like our 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 shipu here we should say he's a v- voodoo shepuo, yeah, and that would but raise you know him that up
2: typically that means that at some point you have to kill them, oh, is that right? I think that's the way that works, oh they raise them and then they use their blood only if you're into augur, yeah, if
0: yeah. you're an augurer, then you would do that an augurer, yeah, that's you you read that to foretell the future,
2: oh no, you use that, I think they use the blood and everything for all sorts of other stuff,
0: oh yeah all well other I, other i'd I'd have to yeah, I'd have to run it by time. pyro first before that. <laughs> I I'm, trying to, I'm well, just trying to
2: help you out in case of an emergency.
0: I know. we got to think ahead of time. That's what we're here for our listeners for. The, the Pets Act, are there any uh, exclusionary animals that aren't covered under the Pets Act?
3: No, I think every animal, as long as you're vacuuming with it, is has to be given a place to be.
0: So if I have a python and I'm bringing it in the boat, when they come out of the boat, I can bring that with me? hmm Tarantula?
3: And anything can be if – if someone comes up to you and says, um, this animal is a service animal, you may have a snake in your hand – by law, you can't ask them what type of service animal it is. You have to take their word for it. They don't have to show any proof of documentation. Ah, so if you take, go up to a, an airplane or a city bus and say, This is a service animal, I have to have it with me, they are, it's illegal for them to say, Well, you have to prove to me that you're, you have a disability. And you, that's illegal. So they just have to let you on with that animal.
0: You know, that may be the most useful information we've ever heard in three and a half years of Future Quake, right then.
2: Only if you own a dog.
0: Well, I'm just hoping that uh, Mrs. Future will refer to me as a service animal, yeah. so that she could <laughs> be sorry, allowed to bring me. I'm sorry
2: you can't let your dog on the boat. <laughs> no, yeah. no, he's a service animal. Thank yeah. you, honey.
0: Yeah, he has no other redeeming purpose we can say. Well, he's a service animal. Yeah, yeah. he carries <laughs> well, the thing my with
3: stuff the around. Any animal, as long as it's with you, they have to allow it for evacuation. If you, I think it was CNN had a video when people were being evacuated. I think with the hurricane down in Texas. They showed an area, and they, this woman's being overrun with floodwaters, her and her husband or boyfriend, and the first basket that comes up, there's a female, and just as she comes into sight in the basket, she's holding two dogs with her, and never before hmm. would they have made a, a priority to put two dogs in a basket when the
4: hmm.
0: the,
3: water's about, the car's about to be washed away, but they brought the whole group up instead of leaving hmm. them.
0: Wow. Well, um that, that's great news to hear. I know our listeners are, are tickled to death, and I know in a future household, we're certainly relieved at that. But what about shelters? It's one thing to be able to evacuate. Um, you know, a lot of times they'll have a place or with a cot or whatever like that. W- what what happens then as far as your pet?
3: Um, they're mandated to have them set up as a designated shelter. So if the animal can't stay right beside you, it can't, can't stay in the same room with you at the shelter just because of sanitary reasons, if people are allergic to dogs and mm-hmm. have dogs or Vice versa, but they have to be in the same area or they have to give you the ability to transport you over to the place. So, say there's an animal shelter and they're going to house the animals for hmm. the human shelter, it's a couple miles away, they'll be able to transport you several times a day to that to see your animal. So, you'll be kept in contact of where it is and, and be able to see it at all times.
0: Okay, okay. Hmm. That certainly sounds much, much more humane. I, I, I just really grieve for what happened through Katrina and things like that, and how, in a civilized society, we could have it happen. What did? But it happened and you to humans. To
3: thousands and thousands of, of animals that are now feral and, and reproducing at an incredible rate down in those coastal areas
0: that uh-huh. were
4: set,
3: let loose the first time, and have, which everyone's managed to survive the subsequent hurricanes, are still running around without immunizations mm-hmm. and dying horrible deaths from heartworm. Parvo just dogfights,
0: whatever else is going on down there. Right. You know, we've not had nearly as much coverage on TV about what's happened in Houston. We get a little bit here and there, and then it moves on. Because well, I heard it was we've... on
2: a media blackout, though.
0: Is that right? That's what I heard. Well, you that's know, that's I've heard, very good reason I've heard rumors it. of yeah, that. I've heard rumors of that
2: because they blocked it out.
0: Uh, Dr. Raleigh, can you fill us in any more on what you've heard about. Uh, I haven't.
3: I haven't heard any word on that, and probably, honestly, there wasn't high enough death toll for the media to stay focused on it very long.
0: Hmm. But, 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 but I s- still hear that a lot of the displacement, long-term displacement, is just as bad with this as it was with Katrina in many ways.
3: Oh, there's there's whole communities that also were wiped off the map. There's some that well, their fire departments are no longer in existence, so if they have a medical or fire emergency, it's taking. Hours, sometimes for neighboring communities that they're not overwhelmed to come and just take your normal heart attack or allergic reaction or snake bite and get it transported.
0: Well, when are they going to do what makes absolute sense and just turn that whole Gulf reason into a big campground where when something bad comes, everybody can hook up their trailer to it and and get out of Dodge for a while and keep it natural? I don't know any other sane way to deal with it because we know every year we're having widespread devastation.
3: And it may just be something that's going to have to unfold in the next decade, because until now, pretty much you would have a rare hurricane that would hit Florida, and people would talk about it because it impacted where you went to vacation. But it's just within the last few years, we've had just one after another after another, mm-hmm. and it's showing us the impact of a high population in a vulnerable area where we've decimated the resources by taking away the swamp areas and the areas of protection, and it's just getting wiped out.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, and... Uh... The, the problem is we're in such dire economic state right now. All the stuff feeds into each other. Is that our, our our government is really not at liberty to do the very gracious protection like they did in the past? Of course, there was so much waste with Katrina, with all the mythical FEMA FEMA trailers that were left uh, rotting and unused. People still in those trailers down in that area, the ones that are occupied. Um, but the money is not going to be there in the future. Hmm. So it's just even more so the case where you're going to have to look out for yourself.
3: And how often can these insurance companies pay to rebuild? Right. You know, they've got to be decimated every time a storm
0: comes through. Well, they're collapsing already without these things occurring yeah, right Yeah, they now. don't need our help. The, the, the mm-hmm. government now is taking over the biggest one right now, yeah. officially AIG. right now. Yeah, IG. Well, um, given that's the situation we have right now, uh, you have shared with us in the past about preparation techniques, and yeah, I just wonder if you could share for our new listeners, plus anything new that you've come across and heard, yeah. what What do we need to do for this breadth of things that we've talked about here to best prepare for these kind of events in a household?
3: I think the first thing is just acknowledge that our own humanity, we're all human, we're all fragile, and anything can happen to me that's happening to the people that I'm watching on TV. Um, I mean, I'm sure the folks that were hit with the tornado in February weren't expecting to lose everything they had in the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. In the storm that lasted just a few minutes through there. Um, and so the best thing is once you acknowledge that instead of living in our perfect little technology creature comfort world of saying, hey, all this could be taken away in an instant, then what am I going to survive on? Um, just use this recent gas thing It's just a wake-up call. You know, our our life was inconvenience for a little while, and we're all throwing fits, and there's people down on the coast that aren't going to have homes for years now, but we're like, oh, my car's not full. I'm mm-hmm. going to freak out for a while. I'm getting mm-hmm. a fifth flight at the gas station.
4: <laughs> but the biggest <laughs> thing is just,
3: you know, take your time. And over every time you go to the grocery store, buy a couple extra bottles of water or a couple extra cases of this or that, and just slowly build up some kind of stockpile. As your water starts getting closer to expiration, just cycle it through and use it more. Mm -hmm. But just be very aware that this could happen any time or that this Mm -hmm. critical infrastructure of supplies, for whatever reason, could be interrupted.
0: And find a place that uh, I guess that you know will be dry probably some distance off the ground. Mm-hmm. that can be secure and that you can be, if if you have to go get away from something, you're still going to be in proximity to your supplies.
3: Mm-hmm. And something to think about is try to have a few months' supply on hand of your medications. So many more people mm-hmm. now are med- medically dependent, mm-hmm. whether it's diabetic medicine, um, vitamins, maybe some stuff for psychiatry depression. Mm-hmm. But people need to have more stockpile on that than just a few weeks' supply because mm-hmm. if something like this were to happen, large tornadoes and you're displaced for a while or your doctor's office is destroyed, how long is it going to take to get their records and permission to Mm -hmm. get your medicine? and All those kind of things we don't really think about on a larger scale, but just Mm -hmm. having that little Mm -hmm. bit of backup. So if you've got to pick up and leave, you've got the essentials with you so you can make it a few days on the road without freaking out. We had people Mm -hmm. coming in from that we were committing on the buses, and we were talking to one lady, and she was two days past her dialysis due date. So we had to get her to the mm, shelter, then they had yeah. to figure out the logistics of getting her to dialysis right away because now she's got a life-threatening emergency because she's a couple days off because of this natural disaster.
0: Wow. Well, um, hmm. but Tom, I hope you understood that. Keep up on your uh, extra supplies of Botox and yes. <laughs> Yeah, for emergencies. You yeah. Know. Extra
4: so,
3: just for men so you can brush it in, in the car. There right you out. go. Just <laughs> for
2: men. <a base laughs> for men, yeah. i I prefer that hairspray stuff oh really yeah it
0: goes on the back well keep an extra can in the car
2: yeah well are you kidding i'm gonna get like a five gallon tub (laughs) just dump my whole face
0: okay medication that's one that people can forget and you have to remember expiration dates on that stuff too right Mm -hmm. uh you got to rotate your stock with that as well too uh obviously water are there any kind of foods that you recommend that sort of work out the best
3: Just anything non-perishable and, you know, keep some good stuff on hand, too, not just the boring canned goods and whatever, but just something, some quick sugars. So, again, if you're in a crisis, your energy is going to be high and low, depending on your adrenaline level, just some little stuff to keep you going so it's not Mm -hmm. boring.
0: Flambes. One of the things I recommend, Dr. Riley, for you to pass on to all of your other hundreds of thousands of people that you brief on these things, uh, and this this is just knowledge from Dr. Future, everyone needs to make a part of your kit a newspaper grill. Uh, that's probably one of the greatest inventions ever devised that yeah. we have here in the future household. You've been
2: you've been big on that the that's, last couple a, weeks. Yeah, it's
0: a collapsible little tube, metal tube, that you just roll up sheets of newspaper in. It's got a little grill thing on top, and you can cook hamburgers in about four minutes with it. You wow. don't need any other fuel; it's just the grease dripping off the food keeps the fire going, and that's you can cool. cook vegetables, steak, chicken. Yeah, all the grease anything. dripping off the vegetables. Well, you put some vegetable oil and stuff like that on it okay yeah I know you'd you'd find something to criticize on that, yeah, all I know is it's, it's food's good and it collapses to something that's about uh five or six inches uh, wide in a circle that's about i don't know fifteen inches in diameter huh. uh like a collapsible cup, hmm. and so that's a very very uh flexible kind of thing if you just need something cooked, but you have almost no other infrastructure uh you don't even have access to charcoal or anything like that um so not bad. Anyway. And,
3: do you, and remember also, you need enough food and water for your animals as well. So if you're evacuating with two dogs, you have to figure at least a gallon of water per day per animal. So that's a lot more. You're certainly doubling, tripling your intake of, of food and water that you need to take with you. Okay. And uh. then having some really good identification on the animals. Make sure they're microchipped. You know, for 20 bucks, you can get your dog microchipped these days. So God forbid there is a disaster. A tornado hits your house and you wake up and... Um, you and your animals and all are scattered everywhere. You just hope to goodness somebody picks an animal up, takes it to a veterinary, and they're able to scan it and know that it's your animal mm-hmm. and not just some other animal that may be injured and put down before you even realize what's happened to it or how to say in the matter.
0: Even if you've already got tags and everything else like that?
3: Yeah, because collars can be taken off. Um, someone thinks your dog's really nice, they may just lose the collar, and now it's mm. only their dog. But if you've got microchipping, you can verify you know, whose animal it is, and that's mm. almost impossible to remove.
0: Yeah, I guess only if you happen to find out they've got your dog if they're trying to hide it. I guess. Mm. Uh, hmm. Do do they do like uh, tarantulas and pythons and stuff like that too? Microchip.
2: Banana slugs. I
3: don't know. <laughs> Very feral cat.
0: I do not know if there was any limitation on that. Yeah. Newts.
2: There you go. Gingrich.
0: No, not that kind. Um. Anything else we need? We've we've talked about food. We've talked about medicine. Uh. Anything else as far as um. Let, let let's say we're we're stuck in our homes. Yeah, we're stuck in our homes. We don't have power. Yeah, it's it's during flu like time that. and and, yeah.
2: and we're in trouble.
0: Yeah, what 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 else could we use at our what at our home? And what you all discussed?
3: Pretty much anything that you need to use to basic survival. Everything kind of goes out the window at that point. Just treat it like the insurance company now owns the home. So mm. if you you, it's very cold in the wintertime, and you've got to have some type of fire or fuel source. You know, set it outside in a safe area and start taking things from the inside that you can burn. If if you're down to that.
0: Hmm. Like some of my wife's crafts and stuff like that, you <laughs>
2: mean? S- the clothing. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that clothing. That yeah. would be good. All that knitting.
0: Uh, her tiaras don't burn very well, though. That's the problem. You're in they're, trouble. The well, jewels. Well,
2: what are you going to do with all your big collection?
0: The big diamonds and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, You might be able to trade those.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Like uh, Thurston Howell. I always remember he, he would always try to give the headhunters uh, stock certificates yeah. to let him out of the cage. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. Um th- one of the things I know that has been an issue lately is uh, when people um, don't want to leave. You know, if there's a mandatory evacuation, they choose to stay, and they argue. And there's some point where they say, "Look, I have a constitutional right to my property. Uh, I have a right to stay if I want to stay." Uh, however, also a lot of times they want uh, they want to be rescued when they get in over their head. What happens when people ignore those kind of things? How, how does that impact a rescue personnel?
1: Oh, gosh,
3: it's it's a really rough situation because you have people that were asked to leave and they voluntarily say, No, I'm going to choose and I'm going to face this danger head on. Say, a good example was some of the folks that stayed in the outer barrier islands down in Galveston. And they said, I'm not leaving at any cost. And they didn't leave, they chose to stay. So now, all of a sudden, instead of rescue workers having to hit those that were really caught for unfortunate reasons, whether in an area that wasn't supposed to flood or a tree hit their house, Mm -hmm. now they've got to spend all of their efforts and money and risk their own lives to go save people that didn't have proper regard for their lives to start with. So now you've got USAR teams pulled from across the country that have got to spend days and weeks going in very austere conditions with the snakes and the alligators, risking their lives, the lives of their search dogs, to go look for people that shouldn't have been there in the first place And, Mm -hmm. and at a considerable cost of resources and Lives expended for this, and to me, that's just. If it, it, they need to put some laws in act, say, okay, you can choose to stay. But what I would love to see happen is, okay, if you choose to say, here's what's going to happen. If we have to come in and rescue you after this, the moment we pick you up, you owe us ten thousand dollar rescue fee.
4: Mm-hmm. If you
3: can't post that within twenty four hours, then you're going to be arrested immediately, and you're going to be on work detail for at least the next ninety to hundred eighty days, and you're going to help us clean up every single bit of this debris. Mm. So stay, they're going to pay the price if they have to be rescued. And if they stay and there's no rescue, they're great. But if it's a mandatory evacuation and people choose to stay, I think there should be penalties involved if they incur risk in the lives of others because of their selfishness.
0: Hmm. Right, right. Yeah, somehow they, well, people have lost the whole idea that um, we are accountable mm-hmm. for the actions and the decisions that we make. Mm-hmm. And so they just don't um, really have any kind of appreciation at all for the fact that, uh you know, I mean, every facet of our life. When we're talking about, uh, you know, different kinds of public assistance, or people make other, well, Wall Street bankers right now. That's another yeah. classic case of it. They're wanting to be bailed out. We have a whole society of people on on the both ends of the economic spectrum. Yeah. Whatever they want to be bailed out. We have people who uh, climb mountain tops that are know are extremely dangerous, and then they go up there, and people have to risk their lives to go rescue them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't think twice about it. Well, have to get the helicopters up I there. will
2: say this. I will say this. This is a little bit off topic, but on the on the subject of these bailouts here, I want to tell our listeners who have probably heard our, one of our other other guys, Mish, uh, uh, he's talked about uh, on his website calling mm-hmm. these senators during this bailout. Mm-hmm. I tell you, it's empowering if you do that. Mm-hmm. I, and I think that's something that we can expand uh, expand more well, well, broadly to yeah. this. You know, the idea that uh, actually getting prepared for some of this stuff is. Probably quite empowering, I would imagine. Right, you know, right, right. You know?
0: Actually, taking charge of your life is what you're saying. Yes. De- dealing with mm-hmm. it. Well, you know, this, this leads to another question that I have. Uh, looking again on it positively, one thing is what, what you plan for with your family. Provisions are one thing we were talking about. The other thing is, is you have to have a plan, right? Your family, yeah, for example, plan. if you're separated, mm-hmm. if it's an average day, people are at school, uh, yeah. at work, whatever. Uh, you need to already have something in place if a catastrophe happens during that time, a central place to meet a way to contact each other, correct? Mm -hmm.
3: Correct. And the best way is having a contact that's not in your state. So you can say everyone's going to call Uncle Joe to check in because the odds of getting a a hold of Uncle Joe who's in a different state is much higher than getting a hold of someone locally when all Mm. the cell towers are maxed out or completely gone based on the size of the storm or the Mm -hmm. earthquake.
0: Wow. And make sure you stay in touch with Uncle Joe regularly, case so you know he didn't end up in a nursing home and you don't know it. Yeah, and, eaten right. by an alligator. and he and he yeah. can't reach him. Or yeah, I hadn't no thought about mind.
4: service or has been disconnected. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: hadn't thought about the alligator. Can't find bark. Uncle
2: Joe, but the alligator keeps ringing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah. So, uh, but th- th- that's a great idea. That's the yeah. kind of th- things we need that we just would never even think of, is the fact to have an out-of-state connection, uh, because everything else may be bad. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is to have a meeting place away from your home. Your home may be ground zero in the very mm-hmm. place you can't go. Uh, right,
3: even a place in your neighborhood. So if a storm hits your house, you know, where in the neighborhood are you going to go to? It needs to be somewhere different from where your home is because people may not be able to get back to your home.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, uh, you know th- this. And, and by the way, these kind of things hit very close to home after our last show we did with you because um, there was a major gas leak up in Louisville, Kentucky, on the south side. A derailment. And it was very close to uh, Dr. Future's uh, parents, mm-hmm. lived in that area. And that whole place was uh, evacuated for a long, long, long period of time. And the, the residents got very, very little information. It was uh, chlorine gas, I believe. Mm-hmm. There was a huge cloud that just went over the mm-hmm. whole region, the whole territory. You know, and it was like things, a major that's disaster. one of
2: the things I don't understand about a lot of this evacuation or uh, emergency management. It seems like when there's a real emergency... Typically, the authorities cut off information because they don't want to have a panic about it, and that seems to me to be the wrong, the yeah. wrong thing to do. Right. I know.
3: Mm-hmm. One of the practice stances we were taking in Wilson County, under the leadership of the former director Jerry McFarland, was just that you know. We're, whatever happens, we're going to come out with it in real time, information mm-hmm. as it develops. We'd already gone over that with our plans for Wolf Creek. If this happens, we're going to do briefings twice a day, and any time in between something happens, we're going to update everybody with mm-hmm. it. Because if the last thing you want is the perception of someone's hoarding information from you, especially if your lives are on the line. Yeah. It's going to breed distrust and anger. But if you're forthright and honest, because all you can do is all you can do, mm-hmm. and that's that's the best way to kind of develop that fostering in the community of support of each other.
4: hmm mm-hmm.
2: Right. Well, why do some other why do some other people not choose that way intentionally? And and maybe it's just me being you know nuts, but it just seems to me like there are some places that tend to hoard that information and don't let mm-hmm. the public know. What what is the mm-hmm. advantage
0: in that? Well, the fact of whether you're nuts or not, it's still true.
2: Oh, what well, I've we got the got point. That, got that know? cleared up. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But, but, but I, I don't
3: know. It'd be an individual case basis. That almost yeah. be in some cases, because I think they honestly don't know what they're supposed to be doing, so mm-hmm. they just figure if they don't say anything, you won't understand that they weren't prepared in the first place.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm. And I
3: think there's, you know, criminal negligence for these communities that don't have yeah. people in place that are qualified to do the job and prepared to stand up and take the lead when it hits the fan.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, you not know, when, yeah.
3: if, if you help certain communities out then you say oh time out they're in the next disaster we don't want it we're going to take a break to me that's intolerable if your job is emergency management then you manage every emergency that comes you can't pick and choose what's convenient for you mm-hmm. you step up to the plate when it's time to do it and you do your job and if, if that's not the right place for you let someone else take your place who will step up and be there when it's time critical and people need you for that
0: leadership Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right well um You know, not trying to get back on this economic thing that we're dealing with now, but that's just a case in point of it. Here we had high-level elected officials that should have been seeing a catastrophe going on financially, and they weren't telling the public because it looked bad. It reflected bad on them and their management.
2: Well, and you can even go so far as to trace their statements saying that there's no problem. Okay, well, there's a problem, but it's contained. Okay, Mm -hmm. well, there's there's a problem but it 's contained within these things, okay, well mm-hmm. it 's right, gotten into these things. The next thing you know now we have Paulson and Bernanke saying, yeah. there's we it, never could have predicted this it 's
0: just slowly hitting the valve, the steam valve, you know, trying to let out a little bit of pressure at mm-hmm. a time, um, but you know we have cases like nine one one where mm-hmm. here we have the e p a director saying it 's safe to go back. Mm-hmm. You know into this area to work when they had all that contaminants now these people are all dying the rescue workers you know, they have terrible Because it looked bad, problems. you know, it mm-hmm. looked bad not to have them go down there. It's like well, didn't look like we're in control, you know if we or or there might be people who need to be rescued mm-hmm. And and if we're not there doing something, they're going to accuse us of just letting them die, you know So yeah. it creates some real dilemmas, but looking beyond just our families into community uh, you You talked about other places to meet these kind of things seem like they're an ideal topic for churches and other civic organizations to mm-hmm. be able to really the show their that, worth
3: yeah and those are the groups that have really stood up during the the recent tornadoes there up um, in megan county and up in gallatin and stuff those are the groups that really stood up and said hey we're going to go out here tomorrow with our chainsaws and go door to door and help each other out and that's Those are the folks that you find that are still down there working for Katrina. They're down there where Gustav hit these other communities that didn't make the news because they weren't New Orleans and the ones that are going to follow up with Hurricane Ike. These are the people that are grassroots, and they're going to go back year after year, spring break after spring break or summer trip, and, you know, rebuild from the foundation up, and that's what keeps our country so strong is that individuals at the individual level still keep that compassion and concern for each other.
0: hmm Right. Well, I was just thinking about not only just having groups and platoons to go other places, but but a church or a similar institution in the community can, can be a... a uh, organizing place, a meeting place, even for a community. In other words, it could function as a as a central meeting place. Mm-hmm. If if other areas have had damage, you could always say, well, hey, designate the church. It'll be open as a meeting place. Mm-hmm. Uh, or we can have a centralized way. If it's impractical to have certain supplies, to have each family trying to have a stockpile, some things can be shared. Some kind of resources could could be shared for use. Whether it's washing machines or some kind of power supplies Mm -hmm. or whatever like that, and you could actually have arrangements with your neighbors at places like that, where you could share, you know, under dire circumstances, Mm -hmm. share access to some fundamental uh, tools that you need, or like I said, power, lighting, other kind of newspaper grill, tents, whatever, you you know, land that you can go stay on temporarily. It's a safe place. You know, you can provide security for each other, things mm-hmm. like that, until you until you get through this kind of thing. But it seems like to me that's where groups like this could really show and illustrate their um, contribution to the community mm-hmm. is to providing a place for people to get together with neighbors and plan out this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. uh, particularly a plan on how to uh, maybe even go through your list if there's been a disaster, to go through the, the church role or the or the role of your organization and call, make sure everybody's been accounted for. Or taken care of, or somebody mm-hmm. for some reason, let's say your your law enforcement somehow something fell through the cracks to at least be able to notify them. Say we haven't heard from so and so. Are are there other things like that that they can do uh, to and, and to help how plan the ahead? Have
3: have alternate telephone numbers so you give them Uncle Joe's telephone number that you're all going to call to check into because when they call your mm-hmm. house, your phone was blown away last night in the 20 right. hours. You're not going to answer it if you're alive or dead, and so. Or your tornado or your cell phone was blown apart when you, you were hit by the storm. So give them those alternate numbers as well that they can hear from them also.
0: Right. So so these are the kind of things that, in fact, it could be fun. It could be enjoyable. This made me think of this when you were talking about the uh, empowerment. You mm-hmm. were talking about getting on the line with your congressman and doing yeah. stuff and how you feel like you're, you're making a difference. I think this is an issue... Where, where groups like this can get together with their, uh, the, with their friends and, and fellow neighbors mm-hmm. and actually make this, you know, it's, it's a lot more enjoyable doing this kind of thing before yeah. the crisis hits. It can almost be a get-to-know-you thing out. for the block. Yeah. And, and, and a way to find out special needs. For example, you may learn that you have some elderly neighbors you didn't know about in your neighborhood mm-hmm. that have very special uh, issues that would preclude them evacuating themselves, hmm. yeah, you know, I'm until important. you plan it sorry? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and until you, you you went through and did like an exhaustive uh, study of it, you, you just might not even know those people are there or that they have those special issues. Yeah. Uh, they may have portable oxygen that's yeah. required, that, that you know they need help with getting this. And you can actually get these plans. The, the, these things are much better to deal with, I assume, when you already have protocols already in place uh, mm-hmm. to kick in and not have to do thinking on the fly. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I, I know I, I guess in your, your prior work you all had to get down to the point of figuring out um how you were going to use school buses and things like that in the community, right? I mean how mm-hmm. how, how are you gonna do deal we, with kids yeah. and then yeah. get with
3: not when the if the dam breaks, who we evacuate, you know, mm-hmm. what do we do with the schools, if they're in session, if they're out of session. You know, a whole lot of logistics that you have to plan ahead and have those working relationships established with the school systems so then when uh-huh. you call, yes, what do you need? It's not the first time you're meeting, it's during a disaster. You've established these relationships mm-hmm. well ahead of time. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: You Is don't a, want to marriage the night of. You know, you want to get to know someone for a long time before you commit to a life together. That's right. Well, that's we're right. getting married
2: because of this disaster? Yeah. What? Well, <laughs> you
0: know, take dire steps. You know, Man,
2: I don't know if I want to marry my, my neighbors. Yeah.
0: I'm going to have to move. Whatever it takes. Um, having learned what you've learned and what you've studied uh, from what's gone well and what's not gone well, Uh, it's one thing to react to an event that occurs, but we have new communities that are being built all around us. I mean, you know, virtually major cities that have gone up overnight that with the construction boom, of course, that may be tapering off now, but, uh, we've, we've had major population shifts and growth where all new, uh, structures have been built in communities. Are are there ways that these communities can, can have some proper planning ahead of time to, to limit losses and casualties from, these kind of disaster kind of events.
3: I think the advantage of those is they're being rebuilt because of a disaster, so those people, at mm-hmm. least in that generation, have it foremost in their mind of, it can happen to uh-huh. me, and uh-huh. gosh, it can happen again to me. Mm-hmm. And they're able to build up you know, to the highest spec code for fire or against storm damages. And they, yeah. they get to another community because they've all been through a common life-altering event. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think it's almost easier for those populations than if you just move into a new city, uh-huh. move into a house at 30, 40 years old, and you inherit all of its aging problems, just like our infrastructure, the homes are yeah. aging as well and then it's it's a lot harder to reinvent the wheel when it's you're moving into an existing place,
0: well, you know I was just thinking about you know with urban sprawl, you know the suburbs keep expanding and mm-hmm. and and you know this maybe again tapering off, but I know what when when back in the mid nineties when I was considering moving to Las Vegas, there were entire cities going up literally overnight or at least over a year's time mm-hmm. uh where everything was centrally planned, all of the uh, supermarkets the uh, civic places, uh, houses of worship, all that was built by the same builder at this time. And, and and I know that they've done things to codes to help make them more hurricane-proof or earthquake-proof or things like that that are now part of the law. Um, but are there other things we could do in the way we design our cities that would make the job of, of EMS people and others easier to evacuate people? Like, for example, um, in the evacuation Uh, We've seen Mrs. Future, and I've watched this on TV, and we wonder when they give an announcement to leave a city, how come they don't shut off the interstate the opposing way and let both sides of the interstate let people evacuate rather than bumper-to-bumper traffic?
3: I think they have it at some points. Um, you'll see them where they, you know, they're actually signs, especially the more the coastal communities, where it says, "Here's the crossover point. This will be all northbound lanes, off all, all four lanes, all eight lanes, whatever it is."
0: Wow. hmm Because we've seen just recently uh, cases where they weren't doing that, like exiting uh, Houston, mm-hmm. and everybody was just in the parking lot. They were just sitting there. But but I'm just thinking if a community was was planned to consider, and and I guess this is way way down their list. Uh, Economics of just getting people in the community and getting things sold is the first priority, but um, uh, having ease of evacuation, um, designing a, just just like you would design a home uh, to make it fire safety where you have multiple exits, where, where you don't have a critical bridge for a community. If that bridge goes up, people are stuck. But you 've got multiple means of egress in and out of a community uh just just things like the uh you know the the walls and the berms for flooding mm-hmm. but um, I know when we used to design aircraft uh, to go in combat you you would design um uh, structure or components that weren't critical, you would put them in front of critical structures. So if you got shot with bullets, it would take out the non-critical stuff. It served as armor for this mm-hmm. stuff. So you could actually choose uh, services in a community that weren't essential and put those in the places most vulnerable to right. flooding or fire or whatever like this. Mm-hmm. And and I just wonder. I think, all sorry. that
3: comes down to to the leadership. It takes the right person in the right place to have a vision to do that. And Unfortunately, most of our elected officials have no background whatsoever in emergency situations. They've always had a very mm-hmm. comfortable life, usually a life of more prestige and wealth in the general population,
0: mm-hmm. and
3: they're catered to, and so sometimes it's time to step up or not, as it was obvious during Katrina, You know, some people weren't fit for the role that they were leading in, and a lot of people died as a result. Mm-hmm. So it takes a conscious voting public to put in the right people mm-hmm. and to demand that people would have either are given that training once they're in office and I'm not talking about taking a little simple online, you know, IS 100 or FEMA mm-hmm. class. I'm talking like an actual fundamental course in emergencies mm-hmm. and disaster responding and making decisions when there's a crisis cuz a lot of the people aren't cut out for that who are in leadership roles.
0: Mhm. Right. Um, you know, we we used to have a lot of fire drills in any kind of school or institution or whatever like that. You haven't – everybody participated. Everybody was involved yeah. in going through it. I
2: remember doing all that. They yeah, pull the fire alarm. Everybody go marching out as sixth you, grader. You
0: go out there and do you that, and, and big, nose, big businesses cold. do that now. I mean, when I was worked yeah. for the government, we had, we had these things. But we don't have entire communities that do something like this. You know, well, it's well, very, well, very well, real. Volunteer
3: State Community College, back in the tornado that hit Gallatin in 2006, their president was instrumental in doing disaster and tornado drills. And people are like, oh, we're so sick of this. But when that came right to the center of the campus, nobody was killed because of his leadership and vision. was, we're going to practice this because one day we're going to need it. And when they did, it made all the difference in the world. It was all wow. with vision and foresight and practice, and it, it made a difference when it hit the fan. All
0: right. Well, you know, let's just like for the here and now, uh, if someone would stop and think that if one trunk line of gasoline that eventually serves Nashville were to be interrupted, given the fact that it's right in Hurricane Country, the fact that we would not have gasoline. It seems like somebody could have thought about that ahead of time. Mm-hmm. That we didn't have to be in the situation we're in, where we're paying, you know, inflated gas and people can't get to work. There's really no excuse why that couldn't have been forethought. This is not yeah. a completely. It we'll wasn't like him. a meteorite hitting a place, you know, was unforeseen.
2: Well, it just seems to me that it's, and maybe this is something you can comment on. It just seems to be. An odd thing that so many of our essentials nowadays are uh, based on the just-in-time, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, model of uh, supply and inventory. You know, why would you possibly do that with gas and food
0: and all these other things? There's, there's no redundancy. Yeah. Yeah. In their Profit in their efficiency. Driven. Yeah. Profit-driven
3: no... and they're going to get so rich off it that when it does happen, it's not their problem. They've already got their money in their safe somewhere else. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's, and it's time for them to make the money. Well, my suggestion, Dr. Riley, since I know you have a PhD and I believe it's related to the leadership uh, area, as well as your background in uh, disaster preparedness, that this would be an area you need to open a think tank on. Oh, that'd and, be great. and I think uh, the Future Quake Show would will be willing to come in an advisory role to help you oh, yeah. uh, with this as well, too, because mm-hmm. um, you know we, we can design vehicles, we can design airplanes, we can design Uh, even air bases, military bases, go Mm -hmm. through these exercises. What if this happens? What if this happens? And they they actually do that at the beginning. The civil engineering people do it when they design the facility, Uh, thinking this through. There's no reason why our communities couldn't have this done as well, too. Mm -hmm. It's very simple to implement. And, in fact, it doesn't take a full-fledged disaster for it to be warranted. If you have a simple uh, water main break, you sh- you ought to be able to have alternative uh, ways, you know, redundant trunk lines of water, alternative ways to get water to residents. Mm-hmm. Or if you have power lines that go down, there's no reason an entire, you know, area of the city needs to lose power. Right now we have a problem nationwide where if you have major blackouts in certain critical corridors, like for example, there was one in Cleveland that went out recently, it took out the whole eastern half of the U.S. Oh yeah. yeah. And and I, I can't help but think that there's got to be a way to prevent these kind of things, and at least at a community level. We, we could do, and, and particularly since a lot of these communities are senior communities mm-hmm. where evacuation uh, may be somewhat difficult to do without extensive planning where we we 've got to make it more of a preventative kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, to keep people out of hazards and then then already have pre prepared you know when all else fails to mm-hmm. be able to get these people out so yeah um, these are just areas I just think are, are fascinating and really. Right for further study. Yeah. yeah, It's
3: scary when there's more technology in the iPhone we're talking on than there is in the power <laughs> grid that we rely on every day for a source yeah. of, for an entire community.
0: Isn't that amazing? Yeah, you're, you're, it's ridiculous. You're exactly really. right. Uh, we're, we're getting down here to the end but I, I want to ask you about the future. Uh, are there any kind of special hazards that we've not talked about yet that um, we really need to be keeping an eye on for the future? Anything that's come up since you've last been on our show?
3: I think just preparing ourselves for um, the vehicle borne and IEDs, the improvised explosive devices, I think it's just a matter of, of time until we start to see people detonating themselves on our buses, on our other types of transit systems, and just yeah. really taking advantage of the, vul- the v- vulnerability of our communities. And that people have to be willing to say, it's going to come here, and I'm going to make it through this, and I'm not going to freak out about it, and this is just a new facet of life these days. and mm. Look at the people who live every day to day in Baghdad and any other European communities that have already been targeted, and how they, you know, pick themselves up the next day and carry forward. But we had to prepare ourselves psychologically for when it happens, so we're not decimated and rocking on our heels again.
0: Hmm. Hmm. So now, are you thinking about Is- Islamic type terrorism for you know those kind of issues, or something just homegrown, or are there other things that you're aware of that we should expect?
3: Gosh, any of the above, really because mm-hmm. those people are so fundamental that their whole mindset... And again, if you, if you flip it and put it in their shoes, if some other country came down our street, yeah. how would you feel? You would sure. take up arms to protect. That's how we won America. That's right. You know, we were the initial terrorists. We, we changed the course of the Revolutionary War. We decided we're not going to stand up in line and shoot each other dead. We're going to hide in the streets and the trees and, and turn right. the war
4: around that way.
0: Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, that's the real real honest way to, to look at it. Mm-hmm. But But I'm finding that our... And we've been tracking this on our show... People are getting so uh, alarmist about their own government where we have all sorts of surveillance. We have uh, mm-hmm. civil liberties that are being lost due to our surveillance society, and people are getting fed up. Uh, we've had so much uh, over this economic bailout plan this week that we're, we're hearing from that uh, I think you're going to find more and more resistance from just average people from their own government. Uh, protests and other kind of things like this. So, you know, it would be something that you could see from all fronts, I think, here in the near future. Okay. So,
3: a loss of, uh, There's a loss of trust in our leadership, and there's a, big time. a group of people that are willing to, to cross any lines. It's no longer the military at war. It's everybody at war. You know, right. one of those folks could go infect themselves with the avian flu if they know, if they find some group that has it and get it to pass human to human. Put themselves mm-hmm. on an the airplane and happily go off and kill half the world.
4: Nice. So, I wow. mean, we're,
3: we're dealing with people that no longer say, "I'm going to shoot the person in the uniform." It's, "I'm going to go hunt down everyday Joe and take mm-hmm. them with me when I go."
0: Right. Yeah. What do you
2: what do you think the likelihood is? You you said we were overdue earlier uh, for the uh, avian flu. What do you think the likelihood that we'll see that see something like that in the next two or three years?
3: God, I it, it's there. It's just as present. I think the last avian flu we had was in the 60s, and it's usually on an every 20 to 30 year cycle. So we're well overdue for it, as far as statistics go. Yeah. And as global as our population is, it's just going to take a little bit of a spark in a paper city, and it's just mm-hmm. going to take off
4: like mm.
3: something we've never experienced before. Yeah. And them. you
2: were and you were saying that this one earlier in the show, this particular avian flu is uh, much more much more lethal than what we've what we've what we've experienced in the past. Right.
3: The, the, I think there's been a different one each time but this particular strain is, as it's been passed from human to human or I'm sorry, from animal to human only one or two cases has it gone human to human I think it was just incidental but mm-hmm. it's a very virulent strain that's killing mm-hmm. between 60 and 80% of the people that are infected with it
4: mm-hmm.
3: I think the average has been about 66%, and this year it's been 78 Of course, the smaller caseloads, so there's a statistical right. um, imbalance there.
4: Right. But,
3: okay. shoot, even if it was just 40%, if you have 40 million people, look how many of that's going to decimate.
4: Yeah, right. And then how it goes you?
3: back into the whole can of worms of where do you bury them? You know, what do you do with the people you've been the psychological impact of? I've got to sit in my house with dead grandma for 10 days before it's my turn to get the body picked up. Mm-hmm. And just there's a whole spectrum that you couldn't even write horror shows about that we would mm-hmm. be faced with. The same thing that previous generations had, we just completely forgotten about it because yeah. we erased the bag.
0: You stack up on air fresheners yeah. and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, you have to hang a little pine thing a Christmas neck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, know, you know, actually, speaking of what they dealt with in the past, that did happen, as I understand, in really, really cold climates where they couldn't dig in the ground when it was really cold mm-hmm. and they sort of kept, you know, if, if a loved one died... In like a room that was not heated until spring came. Wow! And buried them. That's what I've heard. Well, you could
2: even. I suppose. I guess it was really cold. You could even with snow on the ground. You know, the Mm -hmm. whole three months. You could even take and kind of
0: shallow snow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we've got things like that that we just never would have thought of in modern society. But like you say, it would be a brave new world. Uh, In closing, are there any any sources of any other information beyond what you shared with us so far? Uh, Websites, things like that that um, our listeners need to be aware of to find out the latest on these threats?
3: I think just spend some time going out there and just seeing the different websites and which ones have good information about it. Um, There's a lot of very good European sites that have up-to-date reports on the pandemic flu Mm -hmm. and other things that are more of a global threat to people.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: So just spending some time out there and using those. A lot of the ones that we had up when I was with a different agency, apparently, unfortunately they've made us take down. But Mm -hmm. um, in time we may be trying to gather those resources and start new websites for that information.
0: All right. Well, uh, and and what I would suggest, people uh, go online and download the uh, uh, information related to the Pets Act, keep that with you, so in case you have some kind of, uh, you know, joker that doesn't know things, a volunteer that's not going to let you in a boat or in a shelter or something, you could present that information to them, and uh, it might make all the difference in somebody being cooperative mm-hmm. with you or not is, is having that information available. Well, I want to thank you so much, Dr. Alley, for joining yeah. us yet again.
3: Anytime. I enjoy talking
4: with you all.
0: This puts you in the three-visit club on Future Quake, by the it's way. A, it's, it's a, a pretty... Uh, I don't well <laughs> you know what that we need to get we, well, we need to get some goodies like that we'll yeah. maybe get some bumper stickers here first of all, cheese log cheese <laughs> log.
2: and Tom bionic cheese
0: log yeah, that's a good idea, um, anyway, we uh, appreciate you so much just investing the time with yeah. us, and uh, when you see some things that are some major hazards coming down the pike, we would sure appreciate uh being able to have you back on the show soon.
3: Oh, absolutely. I'd be honored.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us uh, in our visit today, and uh, I know our listeners certainly do, too. And we're going to put uh, uh, some of those links up that you gave us earlier up on the website here. And until then, we sure hope you come back and join us soon.
3: I appreciate it very much. I'll take care. Okay, thanks again.
0: Thank
1: you. Nothing can change the shape of things. Nothing can change the shape of things to come.
0: Welcome back to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I'm Tom Bionic. And today is Friday. Yes. Which means, I'll give you another chance, it is... Uh, news Day. Yeah, that's better than normal. Yeah, I Tom- was going to think,
2: there was all these things I was going to think of, but you, I thought You just stymied I'll... yourself. Well, I didn't want to, I know that, it, I know that it, it gets you a little wrapped around the
0: axle and, you know... I get like Donald Duck. You know, he gets all mad and worked up. Yeah. It's Tomorrow's Tremors, or Today's Review of the Future's News which the dominant thing in the news as of the time of our recording, which um, apocalypse may be over by the time you hear this, yeah. but it is the financial insanity that's mm-hmm. going on uh, right now. This this plan, uh, and I don't think that I'm the, being... The bailout we're talking about. I think you all know what we're talking about yeah. when we mentioned the bailout.
2: Paul, the Paulson, Secretary of the Treasury Paulson's quote-unquote plan. I don't think it's too far to say that... Uh, I don't think I'm being alarmist when I say that it's dictatorial power of of over the financial markets.
0: Yeah, we can't overplay what it's going to do. I tell you what, I have a letter mm-hmm. th- that I wrote and sent to congressmen and senators and if I could scan over it, just so I'd I don't for forget, I I'm, not gonna okay. I'm not going to read it. I'm not going. I just, but I suggest people to go to futurequake.com if you need an example of what you need to send to your elected officials. It may be at the point now that you're hearing this that um, maybe over it's over. That's why you need to check futurequake.com regularly. Although you regularly know, although there does
2: seem to be some positive signals. Uh, there seems to be more and more maybe can uh, be opposition mounting. And the longer it's delayed, the more opportunity there is right. for, for opposition, opposition to mount. Well, right.
0: let, let me, I'm just going to hit a few things as a trigger of some of the yeah. aspects of what this uh, bailout is going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons why I, I t- told our representatives uh, to to stand firmly against this bailout is due to the lack of credibility of Chairman Bernanke and S- Secretary Paulson. Mm-hmm. If you have to think about it, we've read over and over again on the news we've done on here as well as when uh, we've had Mish on. That both of those gentlemen have been saying up to the last few weeks, that no everything problem. is fine. How many times Every, have I read a good vibrant story
2: on here where they've asked Bernanke or Paulson for a comment and they said, The problem, there's no problem. The problem is contained. The problem is contained mm-hmm. within these X markets. The problem has spread a little bit, but it's still contained. No need to worry. These are Move experts
0: along. that the executive branch has chosen. Um yeah. So, it has some approval by Congress. They've chosen these people. They're experts. Are paid very well. Yeah. To look after us. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want to have a free market. They want to have these guys looking after us. Yeah. But they've done worse than they've, look after us. They've not done anything. They've they fooled us.
2: They are either they are either patent liars and are executing the biggest the biggest fraud in history
0: for their buddies
2: for their for their bankster Wall Street buddies. buddies yeah. Or They are so incompetent that a toaster oven with a mustache and a pickle jar with a little like Dr. Potato Head eyes could be uh, better.
0: I didn't think of that analogy. But in either case, they should be fired. And one of them they should go to jail over, uh, which I think is, I mean, if they were fraudulent, I I think they definitely should be locked up. I thought you were
2: saying that. One of them one of them should definitely go to jail. But the thing is,
0: when they when they say, Oh, we need more oversight, when you put jokers in like this that either are doing it malevolently or because Mm -hmm. of incompetence, that is worse than a free market because then people let down their guard, they don't use prudent judgment, they think somebody's in control, Mm -hmm. it's okay, and then it all falls apart like this. So I don't know how they think they have any credibility when they said everything's fine all along, and then they come up all of a sudden and say, something's going to be done this week. It's got to happen. Write me a trillion-dollar check this week and don't ask questions.
2: As somebody who has a little bit of experience in negotiations, that's how you always can tell that the other person is coming up with the better end of the deal. He says, well, you know...
0: As as Congressman Pence of Indiana pointed out on air.
2: Well, in my experience, it's always it's always the person says, "Well, you know, we can't we can't get to it this week." It's like buying a timeshare. We're booked up for for till December, yeah. but I'll tell you what, we keep three or four days a month open yeah. to get to your problem. And if you're willing yeah. to sign now, we can get to that problem.
0: Right, right. Or, or, like, you buy a timeshare. Well, now, the assistant manager will let me just today, if you don't leave, you know, the special deal. But you, it's not good if you leave. Yeah. I don't know how many phone calls I get for offers that are only good while we're on the phone. And that's always a sign that something's up. Yes. And this is no exception. Yeah. Uh, in please, fact, the, the banking oversight committee people are equally culpable. The, oh. the people in Congress, who, why aren't they asking the questions that jokers like you and I are asking They right need now? to
2: get a paddy wagon and then go get Bernanke, Paulson, um, George Cox.
0: Like a large a large pen they could hold them in, just a real large one? Yeah, well, okay. like Wyoming. How about like Escape from New York where we could put them on Manhattan and make that like a penal colony? There
2: you go, snake blisking all over again. Right. Yeah.
0: Uh, the second reason uh, this bailout legislation, it will punish the innocent while forgiving the guilty. Uh, we're seeing these guys run off with record severance pay, and I'm not going to get in the knickers of what people want to pay on their CEOs. Mm-hmm. It's free country. If you're foolish enough to buy stock where they're giving millions of dollars to CEOs who run on the ground, mm-hmm. you're the one that's owning the stock. You sell it if you don't like it. you know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they're doing that, but then yet the, the government is the one who's taken over running – an insurance company running these banks in socialist fashion, mm-hmm. but they're still letting them do this. They're letting all those guys – and what makes me so mad is that they say, oh, this is a bailout for the consumer, for the public. It's to look out for those people in their homes. It has absolutely nothing to do with that. Those people are fine if they walk away from their homes. It's the banks yes. that they're looking out for that make foolish And not only loans. what's
2: going on, it seems to me like what is happening is we're, the U.S. taxpayer is getting the worst of both worlds. It's getting bad debt shoveled into their lap. And it's not getting their their problems fixed. Right. You know, what needs to happen is right. the free market just needs to work.
0: This whole thing. A trillion dollars. I mean, it just it boggles the imagination. Of yeah. course, that's close to what it's getting to be for the uh, Iraq war. Yeah. So Which
2: was only supposed to cost $60 billion.
0: It looks, it almost looks as if someone was purposely trying to sink our country. Yeah. They couldn't do a better job than what these people but, are doing uh, right now.
2: Paulson and Bernanke are doing, here yeah. I've got more. All right. All
0: um, right. Uh, and what what they're also doing is uh, trying to basically put a Band-Aid on situation to look good right now for mm-hmm. electors. And this will kick the can down the road until it gets to a state where the debt gets so big that our whole budget on taxes, what we get every year, goes all to servicing the debt, including mm-hmm. this new trillion dollars in debt, mm-hmm. until they can't raise taxes enough on people to pay it. And then everything just goes bankrupt.
2: Well, David Walker, the former comptroller of the GAO, uh, I recall reading a story here back in March on air that he said by two thousand by the midpoint of two thousand nine we know we will be in no position to be able to service our debt. What, what year was it? Two thousand nine.
0: That's pretty soon.
2: Yeah, and here we are adding another trillion dollars now. Yeah. He and he's not just a nobody; he's the head accountant for the entire United States. He, well, he resigned to take yeah. his to take uh, his message to the street because. Congressmen were incompetent. Well I've That's been pursu- a quote by the I've way. been
0: pursuing him to get him on air. So oh, hopefully we gosh, can get him get, get him on our show. And this, this is before all this other foolishness happened. Yeah. Um, the other thing is is that um, if they approve this, it will absolutely assure that further bailouts are necessary down the road mm-hmm. because it will cement reckless behavior. Mm-hmm. it'll basically say the there reward. there are no yeah. casualties if you do reckless but if you if you buy over your head a house you can't afford, if you loan people who cannot afford mm-hmm. stuff, none of the foolish people will pay the price it 's the prudent people that will pay the price for this, mm-hmm. and you will reinforce with them to keep doing this it instead of you know it's it 's like an example somebody told me once you can either cut the uh, tail off a dog right at the you know at the base or you can keep cutting a little piece at a time. Mm-hmm. Well, which is worse? Well, obviously, it's going to worse cutting a little piece off at a time. It's going to hurt every time. Mm-hmm. And so instead of just cutting off one time, feeling the pain of letting this sort itself out with the free market, mm-hmm. they're going to keep doing it over and over and over again. Yeah. And sorry for all dogs out there for that analogy. Um, so anyway, and, and this whole thing about uh, government intervention, I, I compared it to a uh, like an enabler with a substance abuser. Oh, that sure. basically what well, that's they're doing is, is they're bailing out someone who is abusive with credit and finance. Yeah, all you're doing is, is rewarding
2: bad behavior. And when you reward bad behavior, there's no incentive to change. Right. So it's like me giving you $50 for, I don't know, doing something bad. Right. You don't do anything bad. I can't think of anything.
0: Well, I'm not, you know, been made a saint yet. Saint future. <laughs> you could pray to me for all future no, activities No, I, I think I'm going to pass on that You're to pass on that? Yeah. Well, um, it, it, and even this thing you hear in the news about wanting to create an ownership society, things like that That is thats is a euphemism for the government meddling in natural markets it means, hey, we want to become a
2: socialist country now Because you know after they bail out uh, AIG and Lehman Brothers By the way, Lehman Brothers was a bailout they said it wasn't a bailout, but this is how it worked. One one bank was the primary dealer, bought all of the good assets from AIG. Yeah. The other eight or so banks bought the rest of the bad assets split amongst each other with money that was loaned to them from the federal treasury, which they uh, exchanged in return for level three assets.
0: It's a scam.
2: It's, it's, it's a grand scam.
0: It's a grand scam. Yeah. Uh, and then fourthly I have here... That uh these actions are evidence of a further significant increase in unconstitutional usurpation of power from the public and outside of the bounds defined in the Constitution. There's absolutely no right the federal government has to take over insurance companies or anything else like no. this. No. And then we, they've already taken away a lot of our freedoms and the Bill of Rights with mm-hmm. the Patriot Act. I, and thought now I was hoping you'd get to this. Now they've done an economic Patriot Act mm-hmm. where they're taking a massive transfer of wealth from the hardworking public to the bankers and other insiders, mm-hmm. uh, adding further government intervention to free markets. And then um, when they're, take, they're actually taking over a financial stake in these insurance companies and yes. the banks where the government is like a pseudo-owner. At of our
2: them. request, or not our
0: request, with our money – in the definition of when the government and corporate world are sort of seamless, is called a corporatism, and by definition, the other word for it is fascism. Yes,
2: and that's what we're seeing here today. And people folks. think
0: that word gets thrown around a lot, but that's actually what it what it is. Mm-hmm. And um, when you when you look in the body of the legislation, and it says that what they do in haste, literally, it says it will be out of the jurisdiction of any review of a yeah. court. That is a blazing alarm that what they're doing is 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 dirty illegal underhanded yeah, and that's if, if exactly it was legal what this plan does. court review should not be any kind of problem yeah. at all
2: why do you need to be why do you need to be free from judiciary oversight and restriction if what you're doing is both in the interest of the American public and in the interest of the greater good and jives with the constitution that's right.
0: it's hard
2: not to keep to get really spun up about I it. know,
0: I know. And and really the only solution is for the government to back away, let the reckless people pay their price. There's mm-hmm. going to be pain. The sure. pain will steal a lot of places, but it's the only way to get well. Mm-hmm. So it's like you've got to take bitter medicine to actually start getting health back into it. Teach the crazy people a lesson and let everybody get back and be sane again. But they're postponing it. And if I could just yeah. comment yeah. here Please in closing. Finish. Sorry, I um, keep interrupting you. Because this is an important historical example. Mm -hmm. If our government wants to take drastic actions to correct these fundamental and acute problems, they should eliminate the tragic mistake of creating the private Federal Reserve to manage our currency and financial system, which was created similarly created under the cover of secrecy, urgency, and confusion with the, quote, advice of high-level private stakeholders, as is the current bailout legislation, resulting in President Woodrow Wilson, who presided over this travesty, the making of the Federal Reserve, Mm -hmm. to later lament afterwards. And this is his quote. I am a most unhappy man. I have unwittingly ruined my country. A great industrial nation is controlled by a system of credit. Our system of credit is concentrated in the hands of a few men. We have come to be one of the most worst ruled, one of the most completely controlled and dominated governments in the world, no longer a government of free opinion, no longer a government of conviction, and vote of the majority, but a government, uh, by the opinion and duress of small groups of dominant men. I don't know if that's not true for where we're at today. I don't know what is.
2: We're, we're at the abyss, folks. And that's why
0: They're I said. They're coming over the wall. They're coming it,
2: over the gate. Call your senators, write them emails, send them faxes. We have information up there to do,
0: actually do that on futurequake. Right? In front of futurequake.com. If mm-hmm. you're in Tennessee, I've got the addresses, faxes, everything for our representative locally, your, uh, Senators, mm-hmm. um, uh, if you go to Mish's site at globaleconomicanalysis.blogspot.com, mm-hmm. he has them for other senators, including yeah. uh, ranking people on these banking committees. But uh, what I said, I'm not going to tell you how to do it, but what I did is I said, if any of you people in office vote for this, you will never get a vote for me again because you've damaged the country too severely to do yes. this. And they need to be aware of that—that that this will be their last term in office if they vote for this in. Yes. And they need to get the message. And I want—we both want to applaud uh, our friend Mish. Yeah, he's really for the taking charge a leadership. On he is—he—he's yeah. gone from just reporting the news, letting people know, people get down on the mouth, things like that. Something in him said. He snapped or something. It's more than just talk about what this is. I'm gonna. Do something, even if it's in vain. And he said, yes. "Look, maybe not much odds, but he he did all the the background shoe leather work to yeah. find out how to contact all these officials. He even wrote draft things for people to write. Yeah, uh, everything he could do. And I we just salute you, Mish, here. And I'll tell you it. what,
2: folks, writing your congressman, calling him on the phone, I man, it is so empowering to 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 call and hear somebody say." Uh, uh Senator Corker's office and you go, Yeah, you know what, I wanna tell you something. If he ever votes for this any of these bailouts where he bails out banksters, I am never going to elect I'm never gonna vote for him ever again and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna do XYZ. Right. You know? Man, that's you do that to your senators and your representatives. Man, that's incredibly empowering.
0: It's contagious. I man now, I was, we don't know what happens from there. But maybe you feel nothing. a sense that you've done your duty. Yeah. I, I, I can look at myself in the eye in the mirror and And go, there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. Being able to look yourself in the eye, yeah. particularly if you have people like children that look up to you or other people around you. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to see somebody they respect. And yes. that's why I feel like maybe a little bit of. Old fashioned activism would be good for all of us. Yeah. I didn't grow up in that kind of environment. You know, those people seem, seem crazy to me. Yeah. But maybe I'm becoming that in my old age. Well, there you go. But, you know, maybe I'm getting old enough I realize there's something to lose.
2: That's very uh, salient.
0: Well, um, want read some, you want to read some we got, We're getting that? late. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad I we think covered you, that. I, I feel you all, good about it. You got the picture, people. Yeah. You understand what's going on? Send us emails if you've got other opinions to add. Here's a few emails we've got just recently. What do you got? This one's very interesting. It's brief. It's from someone called Apostle Lake. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who that is. Me neither. Oh, uh, well, you sent me this one. Yeah, but it says, real. I'm trying to connect to your shows. I'd really like to hear uh, uh, both of you today. And uh, I'm not quite sure what we can do to help. So, um, Apostle, we need to hear further from you. So if you could let us know. A little bit more about who you are and what you need will help you in either way. But I thought that was an interesting one. Yeah, that's a good one.
2: All right, uh, Ron H here.
0: You, you you took that off my stack.
2: I did. I don't have a stack of emails.
0: I, I read the emails.
2: You can't read this one. Okay. Watch this. Read the emails. Um, Ron H, uh, from Mount Juliet, Tennessee.
0: Okay. I just want to make sure you don't say anything, you know, privileged or confidential in it.
2: Don't worry. I'll I'll, uh, I'll self-medicate over here. Uh, Future Quake on AM 760 has recently become a regular part of my evenings. Well, good. That's good to hear. I missed today's show on the Divine Council concept in Scripture with Dr. Michael Heiser, so I played your show for the first time off your website. Even with just a dial-up connection, the audio played without pauses. Yay,
0: that's why we do do Lower Fidelity, the 24K. We do have some friends that still do dial-up. We're sorry if the fidelity isn't awesome, but it's for people like mm-hmm. that that can use dial-up. Yeah.
2: Well, I'm glad you do that. I was surprised to discover that the AM760's 30-minute show would have been an edited version of the two-hour show you actually made, at least on this day, which is true.
0: No. Actually, they misunderstood. Oh, okay. I think I think what I understood them to think is that we condensed the full interview down to 30 minutes. No, no, no. It's extended okay. over I four shows. Saying. So yes. I want to make – if you're listening uh, – is it Ron?
2: Uh, yes, Ron. Uh,
0: Ron, if uh, if you're listening, uh, be, be aware that we typically take an interview, a typical one, extended from Monday through Thursday, so we break yes. it up four segments. You get the
2: same information whether you listen on the radio here at WENO except, or you download it on Facebook.
0: Except Twitter. we have some extra mindless comments ourselves yeah. at the well, not beginning mindless, and end of the each well, segment of them are. Okay. on yeah. the radio. Um, you don't have to tolerate us as much on. Uh, yeah, you just the, get to
2: the you just get the meat of the sandwich. The and internet. Not the, uh, to stale bread.
0: Okay. And? Now I'll
2: be sure to listen to the full-length website shows whenever the subject is especially interesting to
0: me. Which Thanks. should be every time yeah. on Future Quake.
2: Are you kidding? There's not a second I go by that I don't uh, pay attention or think about Future Quake. I often play Future Quake in my office. Now that's you like, talking, that Ron H. Like 120 decibels. Yes. Good, that's good. That's good. You know, people out like the uh, the nail salon down the street are going. We don't want to hear
0: about any more Nephilim. We recommend, turn it down. We recommend it so that the nails just back out out of yeah. the drive wall so allowed. Yeah, that's what really... Probably because of the great fidelity we have with yes. our shows. Yes, it with, these, uh,
2: with the, the MXL mics and the mm-hmm. Okay, stuff. what next? Thanks so much for what you're doing. I also love all of your news report segments and comments about the stories. God bless you all. You can read this on the air if you want.
0: Brother Ron, thank, thank you, you for Ron. that. That's we really great.
2: appreciate it. I'm glad you're uh, a regular listener. Yep. And, you, and we did read it on the air, so there.
0: Yeah. All right. We've got something from a friend of ours, uh, Joan, who's uh, contacted several times and has actually been sort of a cheerleader for our show, which Yay, I really appreciate a lot. Yeah. Joan. Uh, Joan, we really appreciate you out there. Uh, she says, uh, hi, just caught a few minutes of the Tuesday portion of the interview with Dr. Heiser. Uh, my surprise is his use of the term several times that God is in the process of trying to do thus and so. Trying to me implies uncertainty of accomplishment. Did that occur to you? Uh, from what I know of Dr. Heiser, I don't think that was his intent of using no, that. No, it no. just meant that it was a, an act that was in the process of occurring. But yes. Um, but you know, it's very astute. Uh, somebody's listening yeah, out there. Very interesting. It sounded like God was surprised when Adam Blewett is now trying a second option. Mm. Uh, no,
2: I don't. I I don't know if I would characterize this.
0: Yeah. His views of that. Yeah, but I tell you what, when I talk to Dr. Heiser next, I'll yeah. certainly ask him I just about got an that. email from him today, actually. Um, do not have much else to say. I just caught about 10 minutes. Sounds like a good interview, and plan to listen later. Great. So I hope Thank you, you have, I hope you have uh, accomplished that. Yeah. Since there then. you go. And uh, you said you emailed? Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, David Lowe had some questions about the interview, and he asked me. Uh, you were on the list too. I yeah. Think you were on, okay. Yeah. And All then right. uh and then he. And then I emailed back and said, why don't you just email Dr. Heiser? Here's yeah. his email. And he did. Isn't that great when yeah. our
0: guests are talking to each other? I love it. Hey, uh, here's just something. I don't, I don't want to read the whole article here, but we can just sort of uh, chat about the, uh, it. Oh, that one's great. But yeah. This is from uh, mm-hmm. Bruce in Franklin, yes. Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, Bruce uh, said he enjoyed our program and thought I would enjoy reading this paper concerning the end-time church yes. and the mystery concerning it. I'd love to get your feedback. Mm-hmm. And it talks about two, the two feet of the body of Christ. It was so interesting that I asked him if we could put it online, and that's what mm-hmm. I plan to do. Oh, I had to first urgently get the stuff on about the uh, the bailout bill yeah, stuff. Yeah, but you'll get that up there. But I'll go mm-hmm. on and get that yeah. on and just let people uh, comment on and see what they think about it. Yeah, it's he uses an analogy. How would you describe it about the the whole thing about uh, birth of a baby mm-hmm. and how the the feet, feet are the last to come out, and it's almost sort of a comparison to the the statue in Daniel, where like the the like as time yeah. progresses down the body to mm-hmm. the feet. That in the church also, he's saying, just like in birth, the head comes out first, which he says is Christ, head mm-hmm. of the church, and then he compares the feet to the last day's church. Yes. And yeah. he he has all sorts of interesting analogies. I, I give you mm-hmm. credit, Bruce, for some very interesting uh, hypotheses. Very interesting
2: hypotheses and thought and even,
0: processes. Even the part about the Satan uh, striking the heel. The heel, yeah. And that one of the heels of the church or, or part of the church could mm-hmm. uh bear the brunt of his attacks. And now he gets in he he goes from some things that um that have certain hypotheses and then he leads to other ones and you could you could theoretically accept some and not others, and mm-hmm. it would still be useful, mm-hmm. like for example he 's talked about the uh separation of the church like different raptures or things mm-hmm. like that and uh well I, he gives a rationale for why he thinks that. But uh, it was an interesting read, and I'm gonna put it up just for yeah. people's enjoyment. Yeah, read.
2: well, I don't know, you know, I read it and it's very good. I don't know if I buy everything in it, but one of the things but we don't
0: buy each other stuff most yeah, of the time. Yeah,
2: I, I was gonna say I don't, I don't really buy anything. Yeah, that you say. So there, neener, neener, neener. Boy, thanks for your encouragement, brother. <laughs> I'm glad to email people, say nice things at least. <laughs> oh, anyway, what was it gonna say? Uh, I think the one of the one of the larger tangential tanden- issues is that. Here at FutureQuake, we uh, try for a little bit of a community aspect of things, you know. Here's a listener who wrote a really interesting paper. We tossed it up there on the website because we liked it so much.
0: Man, I wish I had time. We've got two minutes left. I was going to talk about how McCain bypasses evangelicals. Mm-hmm. And he, he doesn't go to the uh, values uh, forum thing again. Mm-hmm. And he went to the long cabinet Republicans instead because he got Senator Palin. Yeah, because he got Senator Palin, he felt like he threw the evangelicals a bone so I can go hang out with long birth, Kevin.
2: She passed on on her birthright for a yeah. cup of stew. And the
0: evangelicals are saying it's okay. They said, "Well, it's okay that you don't go see us, that you go see the the gay uh Republicans instead because you gave us Palin."
2: What does that mean? What the heck does that mean?
0: You know... I don't know. And then it talks about how, you know, McCain has said he's going to get rid of the don't ask no tell and stuff like that. But the evangelical leaders are all tickled to death because he put Palin on, Mm who, you know, whose job will be to go to state funerals. Mm Uh, that because she's there, that he doesn't have to go to the value folks. It says here, uh, oh yeah, I gotta hurry here. We're pleased Senator McCain is not attending the value voter summit. Uh, it's a sign of the uh, the campaign understands he needs to be reaching out to independent voters during the last eight weeks of the campaign. And in fact, uh uh this uh let's see here. Yeah, well anyway. I don't uh, want to beat a dead thing. But anyway, I yeah. just thought I'd let you know that. I thought you'd get a hoot out of that.
2: Yeah, great. Another another episode of Everything's
0: a Mess. Everything's a – that's the alternative name for our show.
2: Yeah, that's a new subtitle to to. Everything. (laughs) (laughs) Everything. Well,
0: ladies and gentlemen, we're going to bring in uh, our our good friend in here, Merv, and Mm -hmm. he's going to tell you how you can give us some feedback with all the craziness going on in the world. We'd like to hear what you all think about it. So Merv, come in and tell them uh, how they can get a hold of us. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at
2: www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information.
0: during
2: the radio broadcast. Okay. I guess it's about it. We gotta go.
0: We never really have time for this. Any, any closing thoughts? We took seventy percent of our show going over that finance thing. Oh, it's
2: okay. It's important.
0: It's the bi- It's the elephant in the room.
2: It's a big elephant.
0: Mano. It's Painted white. That's right. We got some more great guests coming up in the next few weeks. Yeah. Um, crazy days we're living in. I'm wow. Glad to be sitting here next to you, Tom. Yeah. We'll be right here, uh, reporting from Future Quake Central. Uh, you stay tuned every day at four o'clock during the week or at futurequake.com and until then we hope your future's is very bright sayonara join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake there
1: are new dreams crowding out old realities there's revolution sweeping like a fresh new breeze Let the old